All right, we're live. Guys, I think everything is working. I changed some settings on my microphone, so fingers crossed the audio is better now. Um, yeah, let's give it a try. So uh, long story short, let me just get started um, by a little update about Joestetics. Um, the family um, specifically instructed me not to mention anything specifically as of now. That's up to them. So if you want to hear any updates regarding the situation, either that's going to come from Noel Diesel's Instagram account, Nikki's Instagram account, so that's uh, Joe's girlfriend, or my Instagram account, or the family will make their own public statement when and only when they're ready. So please be patient, guys. Um, for now, I have nothing to uh, update you, unfortunately. But I will say that um, Monday at the Muscle Factory in Padia, there will be a memorial starting at 6 o'clock in the afternoon or evening um, where you can pay your respects, play, place flowers, uh, pay tribute, etc. Um, and meet other friends and fans of uh, Joe Aesthetics. So, again, I'll put the link down below in the YouTube description section and I'll put it in the pinned comment so you guys know where that is if you want to come. And then, um, you know, hopefully we can say goodbye there. And all the other updates, just stay tuned for that, right? There's a lot of speculation online, but for now, I have nothing to contribute to that. Um, just keep in mind that everything is speculation um, as of a matter of the cause of... And uh, when the family is ready to make a statement, they will make a statement, um, again, either through one of our Instagram accounts or, um, you know, themselves somewhere. All right, let's get started with um, the questions. I preload a lot of questions and that are gone in the chat. So let me just get started with this question from Jake Applebaum. At uh, an anivore dose of three to six milligrams daily, how much would you expect to lower SHBG? My Dr. Rx, 20 milligrams a day, said it would cut my SHBG in half from 50 to 25 nanomoles per liter. But I prefer your approach uh, lower three to six milligrams per day. So again, the higher the dose, the lower your SHBG is going to get, but uh, on three to six milligrams, let's say five milligrams on average, um, maybe a reduction of five points. Again, it, it depends on where your uh, SHBG is currently. And it's very hard to determine, um, you know, a milligram dose on how many points your SHBG will come down. That's very difficult to do, but it will come down by, by how much. I'm not exactly sure. It could be five points, could be 10 points. Again, depends on if you're taking that sublingually or orally, um, which, of course, if you take it sublingually, you have higher bioavailability of the anivore that you're taking. And, um, yeah, so all I can say is do your blood work and then see where that's uh, going. And then make the appropriate adjustments. Also, do you think sublingual anivore will have the same impact on lowering SHBG as taking orally? I just answered that. What it changed the pharmacodynamics if it drops SHBG for a short time, then comes back up more quickly. No, so I believe that Anivar has not such a high affinity for the SHBG, but I could be mistaken there. And again, the affinity for the SHBG um, and, and aromatized enzymes or androgen receptors or estrogen receptors, that's calculated, not actually measured. So you can go to Wikipedia. And uh, there they have an entire index of all the androgens and their affinity for specific receptors or the sex binding globulin. And uh, it should be there. But from off the top of my head, I'm not sure what the affinity of anivore is for the SHBG. Um, but I do know that it lowers it slightly, albeit that Proviron, obviously, with the highest affinity for the SHBG, lowers it the most out of all uh, oral DHT derivatives. 
So, um, yeah, I would say that sublingual anivar lowers SABG more than uh, oral uh, anivar, simply because that bioavailability is higher, so you get more actual uh, molecules of anivar in your system, and thus a greater effect on SHBG lowering. But again, what the difference is, I'm not exactly sure. Um, a clinical study would have to prove that, but I haven't found a single clinical study that actually determines SHBG levels on anivar. And the last anivar question from Jake. Um, let's see. Do you think that lowering SHBG and increasing free testosterone happens immediately upon starting anivar, like from day one, or would it take a week or two? No, it would start from the day one that you take it from the first administration of uh, anivar, whether that's oral or sublingually. Um, but the maximum effect might take a week or two to really uh, take place. So, you know, the first day your free testosterone might go up with half a percent, arbitrary number. And then after two weeks, it might go up with 5% arbitrary number. So again, that's a tenfold increase based on these arbitrary examples that I'm giving you. Um, but again, I think with longer uh, dosing protocols, SHBG will come down more and more and more until it reaches a new homeostasis, which is again, a dose-dependent homeostasis of a certain amount of nanomoles per liter in the bloodstream. I wish I could give you more uh, accurate answers, but that's pretty much the way it is. John Prather, uh, sorry I wasn't there for the meme week to use uh, this anivar. Okay, so he, oh yeah, he's got a good anivar there, there. But I figured you could use a laugh this week anyway. Yes, I could have a good laugh this week. It's been a rough week, but let's not go there. And sorry, you, uh, you guys all had to see my crying face uh, last week, Saturday, but you know, you don't really get time to process these kinds of things. And then you start recording a video about it, and then it certainly becomes real. So, yeah. All right, next one. John Prather, is it feasible to replace Mastron with Primabolin in a contest prep stack? Uh, let's say testosterone Primo. Trimbolone, or the, are, are the same cosmetic effects of Mastron just worth too good to pass up? Why don't we do both? Add 200 milligrams of Mastron anything to the stack or an equal amount of Mastron as your uh, Trimbolone and then uh, see how, uh, you know, how much of a cosmetic change it makes. So you get the anabolism from your test Primo and train. And then additional cosmetic benefit benefit from a similar amount of Mastron compared to your Trimbolo. So let's say you do 350 test, 350 Primo, 150 Trin, you add in 150, 200 milligrams of Mastron, propylene or anything in there. And um, yeah, then you should look better. And that's what contest prep is all about, right? Of course, don't start it at week 20 of your contest prep. <laughs> that includes, that goes for the Trin also, guys. Don't start at the beginning, but maybe the last six to eight weeks when you put the Trin in, okay, put the Mastron in there. Right, go for the, the maximum cosmetic effect, and um, yeah, let's see how much of a difference it is. Darius, oh, where do the questions go? Darius, uh, fasted cardio versus regular cardio. How much of a difference does it really make on cycle? Um, well, it does make a difference because if you do fasted cardio in the morning, of course, you're solely going to go through stored. Um, uh, calories, right, in the form of intramuscular triglycerides or freshly released adipose tissue, right? So you might have to have high glucagon levels or high cortisol levels or high growth hormone levels or high clemetrol levels or high other fat burner levels in the bloodstream to promote lipolysis from adipose tissue. And thus, you can um, burn off those freshly liberated triglycerides through activity in the form of fasted cardio. Um, and if you do regular cardio at any other point during the day, you're also tapping into the food that you just ate. And then 
and then <laughs> you have uh, less likelihood that this uh, food gets stored for later use, for example, during your next workout. So this is how I always looked at it. Fast cardio. Compared to doing uh, cardio at any other point during the day, because now you have foods in your system, right? That it's slowly digested, and now you're preferentially burning the glucose that is coming from foods, not tapping into muscle glycogen stores, which uh, there's something to say for that, obviously. But if you're also tapping into glycogen stores, but not tapping into the intramuscular triglycerides or um, fat from adipose tissue, because you're insulinotropic after eating meals, so you're in a storing state, then, um, you know, you're probably not increasing your glycogen stores for next workouts where you actually need this energy available. So that's how I always looked at it. Uh, I've always done my fasted cardio also for heart health. And um, so far, so good. Even though I'm now I'm a little bit chunky, but I'm not on cycle. So please forgive me. It's been uh, yeah, a month of no gym. Octavian, when doing a blood test for DHA and pregnenolone, does it matter if you're uh, fasted or not? No, it shouldn't really matter. Um, I would still like to do it in the morning. So you, you know, you drink about a liter, liter and a half of water. You go and hydrate it. So everything is, uh, you know, homogenous, right? So you're not dehydrated on your hematocrit. And now your hematocrit is high, your red blood cell count is high, and everything else is high. And then your DHEA and pregnenolone might be slightly higher too, because again, the concentration of your blood is higher because there's less blood volume because you're dehydrated. And um, in, in that sense, um, you might get a false positive for adequate DHA and pregnenolone levels, right? So, or DHA sulfate and pregnenolone sulfate levels. So it might be better to go and hydrate it same day or same time of the day, early morning, right, within two hours of waking up, which is generally speaking where your testosterone and DHA and pregnenolone levels are the highest. And if they're still low, start supplementing, right? All right, I can't, I have no idea what happened to the previous comments. So I'm going to go to Patreon and grab them again. I could have sworn that I added them in here, but technical difficulties. How's the audio so far, guys? Please let me know. I can adjust if needed. There's only two dudes in here. You, you don't come for one week and everybody uh, <laughs> goes on all of it. All right. Chandler. Chandler asks, hey, Steve, are you able to split up your dosage of romsin more than twice a week? I have 25 milligram tabs that I split up and take twice a week, but I'm wondering if more frequent dosing uh, dosages would be better. It would be a pain to split up the tabs any more than a couple times, though. Okay. All right. So, uh, the sound is good. So that's good to hear. Uh, hopefully it will you know, when I go back on the recording, it will look good too, or sound good too. So he wants to know if you can split up his aromacin dose. Well, you know, you have to look at it this way. Aromacin has a half-life of about a day, but an active life of about five days. So if you do a bi-weekly injection, let's say Monday, Friday, I don't see any issue with taking half of the dose of aromacin on your injection days, Monday and Friday. I've done this for many years. And, you know, the activity level or, you know, the bioavailability that lasts for a couple of days after a single aromacin dose, half the dose for the week on Monday or Friday, well, let me clarify, um, if you combine it with testosterone recipient or anthate injections, which seems to peak within the first two days and then start to taper off until you're following consecutive 
administration. Then the peak of aromacin in your bloodstream and the peak of testosterone inhibitor or testosterone cypionate, again, after the inhibitor and cypionate has been metabolized in the liver or other tissues that has uh, enzymes which can cleave off the esters. Um, the peak is within the first two days and the peak of aromacin is also within the first two days. So in that case, you get perfect aromatization inhibition or aromatized enzyme inhibition for the time that your testosterone levels are um, higher than on the troths, troths, man, whatever, the low point, right? Your, your lowest of lows, right? The day before your injection. So, um, yeah, I don't see any issue with that. But of course, if you do a, an ampule of testosterone every day, then you might want to do an ampule or a tablet of aromacin every day also. All right, Darius. My blood glucose has been consistently too high lately, high lately but I'm dropping uh, scale weight, so that's body weight, and looking relatively lean. Running 400 milligrams of testosterone anathate with 350 milligrams EQ. Insulin and GH not in use. All right, so um, maybe your insulin sensitivity is so low that you're now excreting all of the glucose and uh, not absorbing any of the uh, micronutrients, and thus your body weight is going down. And it could also be that you're having this pre-diabetic uh, diuresis um, because your blood glucose levels are so high that you're peeing a lot, right? So uh, let's start a mini diet, Darius. Let's cut out all the carbohydrates for two weeks or at least half them, maybe even more. Add in a little bit of metformin, get your glucose levels back in range. And yes, you might lower uh, your body weight uh, levels even more, but having glucose levels elevated while your testosterone and EQ is moderate for a bodybuilder, and there's no insulin and GH in the picture. And maybe, you know, are, are you not mentioning anything? MK677, something else, right? Uh, it might just be that your glucose uh, or yeah, insulin sensitivity and your glucose homeostasis is kind of terrible. And for that, you need to do the opposite of what you're doing now. And that's probably eating less food and doing a little bit more activity. So again, don't let your blood glucose levels uh, stay high for a long time because that's just as bad as elevated blood pressure. And we'll do you in at the end. All right, let me load up a couple more questions from last week. Patreon page. Let's see. Octavian asks, chlorella versus N-acetylcysteine, which is better as an antioxidant for the body? Um, I'm not sure what the antioxidant profile is of chlorella, but I know that with N-acetylcysteine, um, it's very, very good. So... I, uh, I would go with NAC, 2,000 milligrams per day. And then, of course, the amount of glutathione that you get from that, um, you know, kind of depends on your ability to convert this NAC into glutathione, whether that's in the liver or peripheral tissue. You can combine it with SAMe to at least help with inter... What is it? The uh, glutathione stores within the liver. I just thought it's 400 milligrams uh, SAMe in the morning or maybe even twice per day. But as far as chlorella goes, I'm not entirely sure. Um, so, yeah, not sure. But I have NAC every single day. All right, Freedom Baby asks, my body loves making estrogen. Wow. Feminist detected. How much anastrozole on cycle would you consider too much? I will add in mastrone or primo next cycle to help with this. Well, I'm not sure what your estrogen level is. And we're going after estradiol, of course. And then they'll know what your testosterone level is. So let's uh, start there. And then I can, uh, you know, give you a recommendation for an estrogen, But I would prefer you to take aromacin, which is less best on your lipids. Um, and I would go with generic aromacin, not branded 
aromacin for reasons yeah which shall not be named all right darius uh not taking anything else is berberine and carnitine no frequent peeing okay and chromium boron red yeast rice multivitamins electrolyte tabs okay in that case darius let's cut those carbohydrates in half baby and they uh, get your insulin sensitivity back because high glucose uh, glucose levels uh, consistently doesn't sound healthy to me so yeah make the change and get healthy in the meantime all right let's load some more questions from the patreon page Uh, Octavian asks, what happens if you run Trembolone and Nandrolone Philpropionate at the same time? Gains. Legendary gains, but also legendary prolactin levels and maybe borderline depression. So, um, yeah, there's always a trade-off there. But I do know people run uh, Trembolone Acetate and Nandrolone Philpropionate and their prolactin levels are managed for whatever reason, maybe that's the tyrosine, maybe that's vitamin B6, P5P, or maybe it's the L-DOPA supplementation that they take, or the K-Bergoline that they secretly take but don't tell me about, right? which is a recipe for heart enlargement, especially when you combine it with Trimbalone and Nandrolone, which have clinical evidence for heart enlargement also, just like K-Bergoline, so don't fucking do it. Um, so yeah, uh, individual response might vary. Some people get a good response and no side effects, and some people get all side effects and no response, or minimal uh, muscle gain and then it's up to you to kind of decide if that's worth it or not right um i would go with uh, either or all right and at this point in time i would say that low dose trembolone acetate has um maybe a similar risk profile as a low dose nandrolone philopropionate or decadurabolin or nandrolone decanoate um so you know pick your poison i would say or you just run a little bit more trend. Uh, primo, <laughs> my bad. Just run a little bit more Primo. And uh, yeah, I also spend a little arm and a leg more also. Darius, should I then do a mini cut or just replace half the calories coming from carbs with healthy fats? No, no, no. You cut half the calories from carbs and get it into a caloric deficit. <laughs> no free rides. No. Yeah, you go into a mini cut. You don't replace shit. If you eat... 250 grams of carbs and 250 grams of protein and 100 grams of fat, for example, you cut the carbs to 125 grams and then your calories go down with 500 also. And if you eat 600 carbs, then you go to 300. That's a reduction of 1,500, no, 1,200 calories. 1,200 calories, but it might be more because if you take out carb sources, you might also take out uh, indirectly proteins and fats. And you don't need to overcompensate for that. It's okay to eat a little bit less for a while. All right, Darius got it. Good. Job done. All right, next question from Octavia. All right. And. All right, I'll get to your soon freedom, baby. One second. Octavian asks, is the biomarker C-reactive protein enough to determine inflammation in the body? Technically it is, but... If you can also check your homocysteine levels and your uh, neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. So if it's two to one, you're good. But anything below or over that, then it might be an indication of your um, or might be an indication of inflammation as you're seeing on your skewed white blood cell differential. So C-reactive protein is the one that usually changes and doesn't get affected by something like B vitamins 
or zinc, for example, which all have an effect of your, of your homocysteine levels and your white blood cell count, total white blood cell count, as well as differential. So I feel that C-reactive protein is still the superior marker for inflammation, especially if it has to do with inflammation in the liver. Um, and also localized inflammation, you know, you see it in most bodybuilders, either if they're taking the synthetic carrier oils, right, which I mentioned a thousand times before, so I'm not going to bore you with it, or uh, recreational drugs, which I mentioned a thousand times before, and I'm not going to bore you with it, or they just had a bad shot. For whatever reason, you also see your C-reactive protein levels go up. And if you stop injecting, your CRP levels will come down within a week, 10 days at maximum. And if it's still not elevated, might be something else going on, including cancer, or you're still taking a copious amount of cigarettes or vapes and, uh, you know, whatever else, and you're artificially keeping your CRP levels elevated. All right, Darius, opinion on a bro science pre-contest diuretic protocol involving coffee and vodka and what cannot. Uh, yeah, it works. <laughs> I've done this when I was drug-free. And of course, we heard the coffee and vodka uh, talk from uh, Kevin Lavroni, which honestly, now thinking about it, was just code for actual diuretics. But at that time, he didn't want to talk about it. So he probably meant, uh, you know, a Bumex and uh, aldactazide or something like that. But of course, you know, when, when Kevin Lavroni mentioned, uh, you know, serving, uh, what is it, Ronnie Coleman coffee and vodka, and they say, I don't really drink. He says, I don't really take diuretics, right? So you have to read between the lines here. Uh, but yes, coffee and vodka, both are slightly diuretic. And it has worked for many a bodybuilders, including myself. So um, give it a try, right? Red wine backstage used to be all the hype because red wine has some uh, vasodilating uh, compounds in there. And uh, half a glass of red wine or half a glass of pre-workout or both at <laughs> the pre-work or the, the pre-contest rituals are, uh, yeah, extensive. So look into it. Give it a try when you're sub 6% body fat. See how you look. See how you feel. Uh, see if you can sleep because the coffee will keep you awake. But the vodka is you know, uppers and downers at the same time. Um, let's see how you respond and then decide accordingly. And always... And otherwise, there's always, you know, two or three days on aldactone and maybe one or two diazides, depending on how watery you are, or uh, IV Lasix, which you should have somebody available uh, with you there in the room to administer that for you and monitor you for the next six hours after the injectable Lasix is, uh, you know, working its charm. So, um, yeah, hire a coach. And otherwise, uh, coffee, vodka, some sauna, laxatives, you know, herbal laxatives, not Dolcolax that will... That will really squeeze you like the uh, yeah, tomato paste uh, tube. Uh, yeah, don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. All right, next one. Jake Applebaum. Does eating the majority of calories at dinner help gain weight and muscle? Is it, uh, is it too imperative to spread out through the day? Uh, I, I would spread it out over the day because you can only you know absorb that much nutrients. And if any more nutrients, especially carbohydrates or fat, enter your bloodstream, and your muscle is like, oh, but bro, that's all I can take in at any given time. Then the rest is going to go right on to the adipose tissue and get stored there. So small meals, multiple times per day, stimulate mTOR all the time. Might be not too good for anti-aging purposes and longevity purposes. But um, if you're after uh, a accumulation of uh, new muscle tissue, then uh, multiple meals, small servings throughout the day, every two and a half hours, that seems to be ideal. Right? And if you just want to go to bed with a full stomach, then, uh, yeah, a big fat meal at the end of the day uh, helps. But now you have horrible insulin sensitivity throughout the night. And now your growth hormone secretion throughout the night will also be lowered. 
because um, what is this hormone called? Um, uh, somatostatin. And another one are elevated when you have food in your stomach. And that way you don't get the maximum growth hormone release. And, you know, downstream also IGF-1 levels won't be that great. And maybe you have horrible insulin sensitivity throughout the night. And that's where you get weird dreams from. So don't do it. Jake, my cognition and workout energy is not great if you eat more than 50 grams of protein for breakfast and 50 grams for lunch. So I need to get a majority of my calories at dinner. Maybe you're eating the wrong proteins. Maybe do an elimination diet. Maybe maybe the, the, the you know, all this uh, tryptophan or glycine that is in your protein is making you sleepy. Maybe you need a different protein source. Maybe something that's easy to digest. Maybe some fish, maybe some salmon, maybe some beef, maybe some eggs, maybe some pork. Right? Change it around. See uh, see what gives you energy and which uh, protein sources don't give you energy and make you sleepy. Darius, why not take a mild diuretic instead of going there? Yeah, that's up to you. <laughs> that's up to you. I mean, it depends on how you look. And I don't know what you look like and what else is your protocol, but uh, I would prefer a mild diuretic over uh, coffee and vodka. That's for sure. For me, that's easier to control. Octavian, any news on the podcast with Brian Johnson, The Blueprint? Uh, no, I haven't talked with Brian Johnson. So uh, let's see. All right, I'll, uh, maybe when I go to the U.S. at uh, the end of this year, uh, October, November time, I'll reach out. And it's, he seems to be quite cooperative. Um, and I'll answer, ask him the hard questions. So he did like my uh, Instagram post. So that's something. I'm not sure if he actually watched it. I'm sure the guy's busy to watch another hour of him, somebody reviewing his uh, stuff. And I didn't get that many views compared to so many other people. So... It's probably very low in his to-do list, but I will try to reach out to Mr. Brian Johnson and uh, see if we can do a collaboration because I find it uh, uh, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. The Baba Yaga with the beautiful thumbnail. <laughs> Great. Hey, Steve, what are your thoughts on Red 140 and Red 150? There's Red 150 now, increasing test levels, uh, maybe temporarily by kicking off uh, testosterone from the androgen receptor. Again, testosterone in the bloodstream is great, but you want it on the androgen receptor. So if it's um, if 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 Rad 140 is on the androgen receptor and testosterone is floating around, which seems to be the case for many of the serums, you're losing out on the beneficial effects of testosterone. And uh, yeah, you still need testosterone as a base, unless you like the nandrolone-only cycle, but then even nandrolone-only cycles with all the clinical literature that you can go through, nandrolone-only cycles are still superior over RAD 140, RAD 150 cycles. So um, I wouldn't do it, man. SARMs are kind of, I don't know, it's like the quitter mentality, in my opinion. You know, If you want to use GW1516 or MK677 alongside the actual steroid cycle, I get it. I'm all for it. But taking RAD 140 because it's available, and not taking injectable testosterone or at least HCG to keep your testicular function going, that's uh, that's only that's what quitters do. So, buddy, don't do it. Yeah, just go with Anivar. If you can source around 140, you can also source Anivar. The same sites sell that now. So, but otherwise, look a little bit harder. Vigorsteve.com. Yeah, look there. Freedom, baby. I get prescribed an answer result for my uh, testosterone replacement therapy doctor, so it's easier to use that. But maybe I will make the switch uh, to a Romsin, I guess. I'm using 3.5 milligrams per week to keep my estrogen in range. Just wondering how many milligrams would be considered unhealthy. Um, depends on your liver enzymes and your lipid levels. 
right? So again, I don't know what your serum estradiol levels are at. And if you're already using 3.5 milligrams per week, that is quite high. That is quite high. So you're either a little bit chunkier than is good for you and you're on TRT, so you get a lot of aromatization and doesn't need a lot of uh, anastrozole or Ruminex to keep your estrogen levels under control. Um, it might be healthier to get your body fat levels down. And then as a reward, you can reduce the dose of Arimidex because now you don't have so much aromatized enzymes in adipose tissue because you don't have so much adipose tissue anymore. So um, do your blood work, get lean, and uh, yeah, reduce the dose of anastrozole. And especially if your lipids are not good, all the more reasons to get leaner because metabolic markers are usually related to your body fat levels as well. All right, let's get some more questions going. Uh, loaded all of these, but somehow they were all deleted. And I thought that Based Sir also posted like a million questions, and now they're gone. Hmm. I don't know what happened. All right. Welsh Gunnar asked, hey, Steve, is there any benefit to doing daily administrations of uh, HCG rather than every other day or twice a week, like lots of protocols say? What movies are you off to see next? Um, oh, next one. Oppenheimer looks good. All right, let's start there. Uh, yes, definitely Oppenheimer. I will go watch that. I'll be in the edge of my seat with that music that Hans Zimmer always makes <laughs> for these kinds of movies. So I'll be like, you know, you always this uh, this uh, time theme of uh, music that plays, what's the director's name? Oh my God, I'm embarrassed to say that I the name eludes me now, but I'm sure you guys will fill me in the comment section. Uh, the guy that always makes this movie always has some sort of a time theme in his uh, music score. And uh, yeah, that makes you very, very nervous and interested to see what is going to happen next. So regarding the ATG, uh, and of course, June too, but it's at the end of the year, right? I'm really looking forward to Dune. Two, all right, regarding the HCG, um, I prefer every other day because it seems that uh, based on the studies that I've read that the effects on testosterone and estradiol levels are higher. Now regarding uh, fertility, I don't think there's any difference, but um, yeah, it's, um, you know, it's, it's something you can experiment with. I, I'm, I've done periods of HCG every day, periods of HCG every other day, and uh, it's very hard to determine, you know, in your own blood work when you only do that once a month and what the difference is in your testosterone levels, especially if you're also using testosterone, you know, exogenous testosterone alongside of your HCG. So I've done 125 IUs HCG every day and 250 IUs HCG three times a week, and 500 IUs HCG three times a week, and 1,000 every other day or every day, basically. So um, from what I remember researching, it mostly has an effect on your testosterone levels, if it's the same dose but split every other day versus uh, every day. But I would say that the effects overall are marginal. And uh, again, keep in mind that the half-life uh, is about one day of subcutaneous HCG administrations, but the active life is five days and the detection time is i think five days as well so um yeah it doesn't matter if you do every other day or daily administrations in the big picture um, the previous administration is still active octavian recommends the covenant yeah watch that one man it had me tear up 
especially at the end, you know, when you make a promise, you don't fucking break it, no matter how rough it is. But again, I can't relate to being a soldier because I've never enlisted. So yeah, it's um, right in the man tears, dude. But a lot of things have been hitting me in the man tears lately. Uh, but that's probably because I'm off cycle and on copious amounts of ACG, which does make you very emotional, as you guys could have seen uh, last Saturday. Uh, I had a good cry session, though. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, sometimes you need to to process things. Yeah, but preferably off camera with your girlfriend, not solo with this thing pointing at your face and they have to edit out 30 minutes of uh yeah well you guys know what happened all right what are your thoughts on controlling hematocrit on testosterone replacement therapy around 100 milligrams per week and hematocrit is getting over 56 percent daily fasted cardio strength workouts five times a week and water is in place five four to five liters per day uh go check if you have sleep apnea because your uh, testosterone level is not that high and uh, 56% on your hematocrit is quite high. So uh, my first um, thought would be that you might have sleep apnea and uh, get that diagnosed or, or ask your partner. Again, I have 100 videos discussing sleep apnea. So all you have to do is type that in into the search uh, bar in on my YouTube channel. And then you get a copious amount of videos discussing sleep apnea. So uh, please, um, you know, do uh, additional research there. Get it diagnosed. If that's an issue, um, lose body fat, lose body weight to get your um, you know, sleep apnea under control or get a CPAP or APAP machine. And then you'll see that your hematocrit uh, comes down. Otherwise, do a therapeutic blood donation, do a power red donation. Um, from further research, I saw that, um, uh, what is it called? Uh, 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 methylene blue can also lower hematocrit levels quite substantially. And um, anatopril, which is a blood pressure medication, can also lower your hematocrit. So you have a multitude of options, but you're doing the cardio and the workouts and the water. Um, you're doing that right. And obviously the blood work also. All you have to do is pinpoint the source of your high hematocrit and address that. Jake, with Ovidrel, after diluting it, how long will it be potent if I keep it in the fridge? If I'm on a low-dose ACG, so my valve pregnant goes bad after 60 days of reconstitution, half the valve goes unused in the trash. Yeah, I would say with Ovitrel, um, yeah, I would say two weeks, three weeks. You know, it's unfortunate that, of course, like these are fertility medications, right? So they're meant to be used at quite high dosages. And um, whether that's 5,000 IOs or 10,000 IOs once per week in a single shot, it's up Q or 6,500 in the case of Ovitrel, that seems to be the medically medically approved um, method to improve one's fertility. Now, as bodybuilders, we're a little bit stubborn, so we like daily injections or every other day injections. So I've been doing 1,083 IUs or one-sixth of the syringe Ovitrel, um, let's see, three times a week. And that means that one syringe of Ovitrel lasts two weeks. And I haven't noticed any loss of potency, whether I inject the Ovitrel um, at the start of opening the syringe or on the last injection, so that's two weeks after opening the syringe. Um, I, I see that my beta-ACG levels and my testosterone levels, estradiol levels, are all pretty much the same. And I, of course, I keep it all in the fridge for um, you know long-term use. But if you go through it in three weeks, I, I think it's still okay. 
you know otherwise you have to uh, you know on your last injection you go in for blood work and on your first injection you go in for blood work and you compare your beta hcg levels and see if there's any difference you know but again i believe that the potency of these pre reconstituted or pre-constituted formulas whether that's um let's see nova nordisk norditropin or insulins right all of them are pre-constituted or in this case ovitrel all of them are very stable dude even through transport uh, you know across continents i haven't lost you know i haven't seen any potency loss ever it's usually with these vials these generic vials that you then reconstitute and then nothing happens <laughs> you know your testicles are just just dangling like raisins yeah nothing happens and stuff is it possible to get a decent tan in winter using melanotan 2 tanning beds are banned in australia and i'm pale as a ghost due to coming off of accutane i'm going on holiday in six weeks um i mean is it even winter in australia i think if you take a little bit of melanotan 2 and just walk around the yard for 30 minutes uh, every day after the administration i think you can still get tanned i mean if you go back like two years on my youtube channel i took one milligram of pt141 so it's a libido boosting drug which is similar to melano uh, tan 2 which also works on melanocortin receptors three and four um right or three and five one, one of those one of the five melanocortin receptors and i got tan af after three weeks and one milligram per day so yeah you don't necessarily have to tan, but it's probably better to use, you know, half a milligram melanotan too, and then walk across outside. Um, you guys can go outside, right, in Australia. I haven't can been keeping up to date. <laughs> so, yeah, but a little bit of sun exposure would be okay, and you can't get that from a vitamin D3 tablet. Also, do you have any advice on reducing water retention and bloating after a long flight? I have a 16-hour flight, and I don't want to turn into a Michelin man <laughs> before meeting up with my lady. Man, you're flying a long way to meet the lady, dude. But I get it. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's uh, yeah, dipping in a different color is uh, yeah, exciting or a different nationality or a different culture. More fun. Um, so all you have to do is don't eat for those 16 hours. Oh, yeah, it's horrible, right? Yeah, such hard work. You don't have to eat. Okay, skip all the, the airplane food, skip all the airport food and just drink water. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking while you're in the airplane. Every hour, get up. And walk two laps uh through the airplane to keep your lymphatic system going drink water go to the bathroom walk around drink water go to the bathroom walk around etc 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 and don't eat don't fucking eat you'll wake up or you'll arrive lean and with a 16-hour flight you probably have a stopover during that stopover of one and a half hours walk around the airport stimulate your lymphatic system more buy a ton of water bottles right stock up because the flight attendants are always a little bit annoying and they don't want to give you any more water. So when I travel to the United States, six one half liters of water with me for the first flight to Taiwan. And then I had about two left. And then I bought another six for the flight from Taiwan to LA. And I drank all of it. And I didn't uh, arrive as the Michelin man. I, I turned into the Michelin man after I went to Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, I'll do the same thing, exact same thing again this year. Uh, Octavian is a great antioxidant pack for the brain and the body. NSC uh, 2000 milligrams, SAMe 400 milligrams, but that's mostly for liver and glutathione 500 milligrams per day. Melatonin makes me groggy. Uh, yes, you know, vitamin C, you can add to that. Vitamin E is a good antioxidant, keeping your estradiol levels 
you know, within range is a good antioxidant. And um, even three milligrams of melatonin makes you groggy. You know, the melatonin is technically the best antioxidant for the brain. But again, you know, not everybody responds well to it. I can go up to 10 milligrams per day and be fine, but 30 milligrams per day? Oh, baby. <laughs> I felt like retiring from everything. Yeah. So, no, it sounds good to me, man. But if you can get injectable glutathione, which are in Romania, right? So you should be able to like, get that. Mm. Go with that. I wonder what my antioxidant status is right now. I mean, I'm on so much IV stuff and then 600 milligrams of glutathione per day. Um, yeah, my skin looks good. But I wonder what my uh, glutathione stores and NAD plus stores are. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't test it here in Thailand. All right, next one. Jake. For guys that still have high blood pressure despite low-dose growth hormone and fairly well-controlled estradiol, do you think potassium supplementations uh, as in 4.5 grams a day will help or are blood pressure uh, drugs needed? So it's not just about the uh, potassium, right? First, you have to kind of see how much potassium you're getting from your diet. It might already be 3,000 milligrams. And then see how much sodium, magnesium, and calcium you're getting from your diet. Then watch that electrolyte video. Read the electrolyte article. And then see how much additional potassium you need to supplement in or how much additional sodium you need to supplement in. Because maybe it's not the lack of potassium, but it's the lack of sodium. And thus, your aldosterone levels are sky high because you're never excreting sodium because you're taking so much sodium or you're not taking so much sodium in. So your body's like, hold that shit. Especially when you're on steroids, your body wants to hold the sodium. So we are doing the other way. You're increasing your sodium intake. I take about five grams, five and a half grams sodium per day and about 8,000 to 10,000 milligrams potassium per day. I like this two to one ratio, potassium twice as high as uh, your sodium, but your sodium still needs to be super, super high. And then, you know, magnesium can be around 2,000 to a half thousand milligrams per day. Again, that's for me, right? I don't know how hard you train. I don't know how big you are. Um, so that's something you have to figure out. And then calcium you only get from dietary sources because... You know, supplemental calcium is too much calcium in one go, and it doesn't matter how much vitamin D3 or vitamin K2, MK4, and MK7 you take with that. It's better to have a slow trickle of calcium, but a consistent trickle throughout the day. You get your vitamin D3 and your vitamin K in in the morning or split it up morning and evening, depending on the formula that you're using. And that way you're absorbing the calcium um, into bones and skeletal muscle, right? But while the calcium is available in your bloodstream in trace amounts, it can help dilate and um, relax the arteries so uh yeah that is basically the way to go but you have to look into the total picture not just potassium and you know supplementing 400 4500 milligrams potassium in from potassium citrate or potassium chloride from uh, you know new salt for example low sodium potassium salt that might be overdoing it because you don't know how much potassium you're getting in from your diet if you're eating vegetables full with potassium carbohydrate sources full with potassium protein sources full with potassium so right, don't overdo it otherwise you might get cardiac arrest you know one of the ingredients of the lethal injection potassium yeah yeah first you get a sedative and then you get a potassium dose so high that your heart stops that's how all these guys die when they take uh, potassium-sparing diuretics. Octavian, you're too kind. Very handsome. Can we see your wife? <laughs> we can see why your wife picked you. Yeah, I, I think I picked her. It took her a little while to uh, 
fall for me, but that's okay. 100K is almost there. Yeah, I uh, in these unfortunate times, I gained 3,000 subscribers, which I on honestly felt guilty about. And then I talked with a good friend of Joe, and he was like, you know what, Steve, you've earned it because Joe would have wanted you to grow, which is true. Um, Joe would have wanted me to grow uh, just like you wanted everybody else to grow. I like, keep pushing. So I welcome those 3,000 new subscribers with open arms. Right, We're all brothers here. And, uh, you know, next week I will address it, go back to regular programming. But, of course, this is not the way I wanted to grow. But I will um, welcome all the people that uh, came to my YouTube channel over the last week and uh, educate them as I always have. Jake, I think you mentioned that doing sets to failure might not be good for fertility due to oxidative stress. Yes. So doing a, a sets of a seven rep, rep perceived exertion might be better. So my question being on Lodos, uh, TRT, can you actually make significant gains without going to failure? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe only do one or two or three sets, you know, to failure. Like, you know, I come from a time where, you know, you get the Dorian Yates VHS shoved in your hand five times dubbed or, uh, you know, copied over. So you see all the scan lines and, uh, you know, half of the stuff you can't even make out. But what you can make out is training to failure. And so that's how you think it is. <laughs> you go to the gym and that's how everybody trains, or at least how everybody trains when you're hard and if, or when you're big. And, you know, a little bit later on, you realize that, you know, training to failure for every set might not be the way to do, uh, do it. You can, you know, keep some reps in reserve or, or you know, do it with, uh, you know, perceived exertion, that kind of stuff, right? Or supersets or I think at the end, it's as long as you're having a good time in the gym, you eat healthy. I think that's good. Right on TRT, don't expect too much uh, progress and you don't have too much recovery capability. But that's pretty much exactly what I'm going to do uh, when my wife's pregnant, you know, something like along the lines of uh, HRT plus. And uh, I wanted to do the chase iron cycle, but yeah, I, uh, I'm having second thoughts. So let's see what happens. But um, I will not really go to failure because I simply have too much work going on. And even though I love bodybuilding and training my ass off, I just can't afford to be tired and sluggish and unproductive the entire day. There's uh, too much work for me every day. And even now I can't uh, keep up. All right, let me see. I saw that Instaff already asked his two questions. So thank you for that. Uh, last one from Darius on the, on the Patreon page. Hey, my lips are so dry. I don't know what happened. Darius asked, opinion on the effects of paracetamol can have on hypertrophy. Can it blunt the hypertrophic response like ibuprofen? I think it did, but I can't remember if I researched it or not. Uh, did I include it in the anti or anti-anabolic supplement stack? No, probably not, right? But yeah, I mean, paracetamol has some anti-inflammatory effects, uh, but so do a lot of the inflammatory uh, or anti-inflammatory polyphenols that we take from food. So antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds are not supposed to be taken around the workout, but I take vitamin C and anti-inflammatory compounds from food or supplements around my workout, and I still got big, you know, but maybe it's because I took every set to failure and I trained with demons and uh, childhood trauma, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it might not be good for your mental sanity, you know. Uh yeah, I've worked through most of my demons, but uh, uh, 
Yeah, you know, all those antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds are probably too scared to do anything negative to my hypertrophy response because I just shoved them away. All right. Jake, uh, Steve, just wanted to thank you for everything you do for the community. These Q&As and your vids, uh, other vids are saving me and so many others from wasting time and making a lot of mistakes. Yes, it's uh, my uh, absolute pleasure to give back and have, uh, you know, see the, the positive impact that I have on the community, even though not everybody's listening. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get shit, uh, as you can see from my comment section. But, you know, in the, I think in the grand picture, I'm making a change. And uh, that's why we're keeping uh, this train going. Even though after last week, I did feel like a little bit like throwing in the towel. But of course, you know, the the most offensive thing you can do is uh, just keeping uh, the success going because success is offensive. And that's how you show the naysayers what's up. Jake, one more question for today. Uh, if time allows. Yes, we still have 10 minutes. My cortisol has always been high on a 24-hour urine and saliva test. This has happened to others. And if so, any recommendations for how to manage? Um, it could be that you're checking your cortisol levels too close to waking up. So, you know, based on a normal circadian rhythm, your cortisol levels in the morning are quite high uh, compared to other points during the day. Could be that you're overtrained. Could be that you're not sleeping enough. Could be that your testosterone levels are simply not high enough or your growth hormone levels are not high enough to keep your cortisol levels suppressed. So a very e easy test for you is um, if your cortisol levels are high in the morning and you'll wake up feeling, oh, 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 I got a million things to do. And in order to break that down, um, again, maybe look into your TRT protocol, sleep a little bit longer, watch the sleep deep dive videos that I have, right, to uh, get all the information that you need for improved sleep quality and uh, maybe take a week off from the gym. I took just five months off. I'm pretty relaxed. So my cortisol levels are nice and low, but I'll, I'll check those tomorrow when I do blood work and semen analysis. Yeah, it is time. So um, it could be a multitude of different things, but if, if your cortisol levels are super, super high throughout the day, then uh, yeah, there might be a lot going on there. So again, sleep quality, maybe you have sleep apnea, maybe you have inflammatory issues that your body's trying to address could be a multitude of different things but um try to get the root of it and do some diagnostics and then hopefully you can resolve that faster maybe it's just your cue to go on a holiday man sometimes we all need a holiday and uh, get back to our roots camping go do some camping in, in not with brown bears or other kinds of bears <laughs> depending on where you are uh but yeah go camping and we'll uh, turn the phone off. You just turn this off. You turn it on once a day to check in with uh, your family that you're still alive. But, yeah, turn that shit off, man. <laughs> Internet is horrible. Anthony, taking 3 milligrams of terzepidite split into daily micro-administrations combined with 450 milligrams apple cider vinegar with meals. The apple cider vinegar causes way more hunger than without it. Any ideas why? Oh, that's surprising. Um, normally, apple cider vinegar actually lowers the rate at which food enters the intestinal tract uh, because the acidity of the stomach is higher. And even though the food digests better in the stomach this way, um, this is one of the reasons why it improves insulin sensitivity. But maybe the improved insulin sensitivity that comes from the apple cider vinegar and the small amount of glucose that is being released into the intestinal tract, now with this insulinotropic effect that terzepidite has, again, it's a glucagon-like peptide 1 receptor agonist and gastric inhibitory polypeptide, 
um, uh, receptor agonist. So you're secreting a little bit of insulin. So maybe the hunger is actually your blood glucose levels coming down more than you anticipated. So take the ACV out, see what happens. Take the ACV out and add a little bit of uh, carbs, uh, vegetables, sorry. Or just add a little bit of vegetables to increase the food volume in your stomach. And again, vegetables, um, you know, through digestion, uh, raise blood glucose levels ever so slightly. And maybe that's enough for this hunger feeling to go away. So add more food, I would say. Or uh, do one milligram terzepidide three times a week, which is what I found to be the sweet spot. Instead of doing half a milligram, uh, you know, six, seven times a week. Because, you know, it's such a long ester that you or long acting uh, GLP-1 and GIP receptor agonist that you really don't need to do daily micro administrations, um, you know, to get the same appetite uh, suppressing effect. All right. Anything else? Uh, no. Ah, here. One more from Ryan. Ryan asks a question. Ryan asks, I have low DHEA, 150 micrograms per deciliter. Uh, looking to add your DHEA and pregnenolone protocol to my testosterone replacement therapy. Pregnenolone tests are hard to get in the UK. Is it mandatory to get this level tested as well before adding... DHEA and pregnenolone in. Is there any substitute test that would be helpful uh, as in progesterone? Yes, that was uh, what I was just going to recommend. So, you know, in most labs, you can just check your DHEA sulfate and your pregnenolone levels or progesterone levels, my bad, and then make an assessment based on that, right? You have your baseline without supplementation. Then you go a month on 25 milligrams DHEA and 10 milligrams or 12.5 milligrams pregnenolone, either split morning and evening or all the full dose in the morning or full dose in the evening or oral or sublingual. Experiment with what makes you feel best. Whenever you feel best, go to your blood work again, see where your DHEA sulfate and progesterone levels are at, and then see if you need to go higher. If your progesterone levels went from undetectable to in the middle of the reference range or towards the top of the reference range, you're good with your pregnenolone supplementation. If DHA sulfate which, uh, went from below or you know bottom of the reference range to middle of the reference range, I would say you can go even higher, 50 milligrams DHA per day. But if it's already at the top, assuming you didn't take a DHA and pregnenolone right before you went in for blood work, right? That's a no-go. You have to do it, uh, test your levels before you take anything orally and then see what your lowest point during the day is. So whether you dose in the evening, the next day you go in the morning, right? Or you do the day before in the morning, you go the next day in the morning without taking supplements, see where your levels are at after 12 to 24 hours uh, after the last dose, and then decide if you want to supplement more, you know? Um, that's basically the way to do it. All right, we went through everything, it seems. Let's see if there's anything on the YouTube. All right. I guess that's it. That's good. Let me refresh the Patreon page. Let's see if there's anything. Oh, Ahmed posted. I know that's from two weeks ago. I answered those. <laughs> Ahmed, where have you been? <laughs> I would expect like 400 questions from you. Um, yeah, I guess we're done. I'm not sure what happened to the questions from Based Sir, though. 
Hmm. Well, that's live stream for you. At least we're still here. Guys, if you have any questions, you have five minutes. Otherwise, we're going to go public. And then uh, hopefully uh, people will be respectful and not ask too many questions about Joe, which I'll refer to them uh, to the beginning of this video. And otherwise, uh, if it gets too overwhelming, which wouldn't surprise me, and people have no respect and no patience nowadays. Um, if it goes crazy, then we're just going to cancel the live stream and continue with the private vigorous Q&A next week. So post your questions, I'll get to them, and otherwise we're going to go to the bathroom. Oh, here they are. Octavian, I did a dopamine detox for one year. No laptops, TV, or smart salon. It's totally different life. It feels like it slows down so much. You have so much free time. You clean the drawer you'll never get to uh, clean, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so when I traveled, I basically did a dopamine detox, even though you get a lot of new impressions. But... You know, I was barely on my laptop, which I brought with me. I was, you know, using my camera to film it. I barely looked at the footage. And uh, it was a life-changing uh, experience for me. Unfortunately, you know, a full dopamine detox also means that it's very hard to uh, make any significant amount of money because you need uh, electronic devices to make significant amount of money um, unless you do manual labor somewhere. And then, of course, when you get paid, you get a dopamine boost also. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a different life. And that's why I always tell people, you know, they're highly stressed, you know, just go to the woods, turn off your phone and come back in a week. <laughs> yeah. Cook your own meal as a meals on a gas extinguisher. Maybe, you know, take the truck or the bicycle to the supply store once a day or once every couple of days. And just sit there, you know, and, uh, you know, bring some magic mushrooms with you. It'll be good for you. But not everybody's mentally uh, strong enough to do that kind of stuff. But I have done so many times. And, uh, yeah, it's life-changing. Fifty milligram super draw pre-workout four times a week while on 1,000 milligrams uh, gear weekly. I, you know, honestly, I, the difference between 30 milligram super draw to 50 milligram super draw is only more liver enzymes. You're not going to get any stronger. Um, if anything, your central nervous system gets so fatigued because you're, of course you know, grinding through the ribs harder. But I, I wouldn't say that the amount of muscle mass that you're going to gain um, by increasing the dose that much is going to be substantially different when you're already running 1,000 milligrams of gear per week. So uh, I have done 1,500 milligrams of gear and 30 milligrams super draw and wind straw for two or three weeks. And uh, I got crazy thick and strong. So I'm not against it uh, if you do your blood work. <laughs> right i did my blood work every time so you see your liver enzymes go from uh, 70 to 200 uh, before and after super draw and then you kind of realize that it does take quite a toll on your health and your blood pressure will go up yeah yeah so if you have some blood pressure medication in place and some liver protection in place i'm uh, i'm not against it but two weeks at maximum and not four weeks oh four four times a week four times a week 40 50 milligrams of super draw and I like the consistency. I like 30 milligrams per day, 30 milligrams pre-workout, a split uh, 10 milligrams morning, afternoon, evening on rest days. Um, because again, you know, it helps with anabolism and the longer you run super draw, within 10 days, you get like this uh, bliss point. And then the last four days, you kind of, you know, uh, pressing against your appetite, basically. <laughs> you feel your liver just kind of failing on you or just throwing in the towel, but you still keep going. And then, uh, and then your cycle is over. Bring on the MK677 questions for 10 euros. You know what? For 10 euros, I'll answer them. <laughs> I don't mind. 
All right, Mad Mason, last one. And then we're going to go public. Hey, Steve, do you have any clients who just flat out respond to testosterone cream better than any other protocol? I seem to be the one of them. Um, I've never coached anybody ever who's been on testosterone cream and said that they had a good response. Uh, let me rewind that a little bit more. I've never coached anybody on testosterone cream ever. So I've talked to men through consultations using testosterone cream, and they said I had a good response. Um, and then, you know, they go on TRT and they might have a better response or they go on TRT injectable, sub-Q intramuscular, whatever, and they uh, they like the testosterone cream more. Okay, you go back. It's fine, right? These products are there for you to use and you use the products which your body feels best on. You know, there's there's a million different ways to run steroids or go on TRT or hormone replacement, whatever. And there's one protocol which is right. That's the one that works for you. And it's so much fun to figure out which protocol works for you. That's why we all do experimentation and look for a higher truth through YouTube channels like this. Um, but if you like testosterone cream, dude, go for it. <laughs> go for it. More Bayer Primopollin for me and more Bayer Testoviron for me, right? It's in case there's a shortage. But if you want to go with testosterone cream, yeah, man, fuck. I'm, I'm not against it. No, really. I mean, what I want for you guys is to have a good experience while using performance enhancing drugs that's what this channel is all about and you know some of my recommendations might be so far out there but i know it's benefiting some people i mean the nandrolone only cycle sounds a little bit far-fetched but after talking with uh, tan and clark and and you know seeing all the comments i mean there's thousands of people that benefit from a protocol like that so i'm 100 not against it right that just do what feels best dude you know you're not hurting anybody by taking nandrolone only or testosterone cream only and <laughs> you're, you're just benefiting you just as long as you don't start shoving it down everybody's throat like this is the way and the only way. All right. Let's close it off there uh, for the private vigorous Q&A. Thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, I will go to the bathroom. Be right back. And then we're going to go public. And fingers crossed we can... Uh, we can... Uh, not uh, have too many uh, intrusive questions. All right. Back in a minute. What's up, everybody? 
let's uh, start populating the chat and then uh, we're gonna go straight into the questions let me see if my instagram page has any updates um, okay one second guys all right so I mentioned this at the beginning of the video, but let me get, tell you guys because uh, we've got 50 people in the chat right now and I'm sure more people are going to come. Uh, I make a little announcement at the beginning of this vigorous Q&A regarding Joe Lindner's passing. Um, as of now, there's nothing new to report on request of the family. Uh, they're all going through, um, well, hell, obviously. So are we, uh, the friends of Joe. So as of now, there's no statement to be made. No, nothing new to update you guys, unfortunately. Uh, please wait patiently. Don't uh, pressure me, Noel Diesel, uh, Joe's girlfriend, Nikki, Sebastian, or anybody else, the family here in Thailand, for more information that we simply don't have. Uh, what I do have is that um, what I do have is that we'll have a memorial next Monday. So that's Monday, six o'clock at the Muscle Factory in Patty. I'll post uh, the details down below as soon as I'm done with this live stream. If anybody wants to join living in Bangkok or Patty or Phuket or wants to fly in, uh, basically you have to book it your, your tickets uh, right now. And then Monday, six o'clock in the afternoon, uh, there will be a memorial at the Muscle Factory Patty for uh, Joe, Joe Statics Lindner, my good friend. Um, so that's, that's pretty much all I wanted to update you guys. Um, you know, everything, in the meantime, that you hear on our YouTube channels, pure speculation. As I speculated in my update video, I mean, it was literally, uh, you know, 28 hours after I got the message. Um, and again, sorry for my, uh, you know, emotional state. You know, when you start recording a YouTube video about your friends passing, then it suddenly gets real. And I couldn't really uh, hold it together at that time. But I've been in touch with all of his friends in Padia, his family, uh, everybody that loved him. So we all had a good talk and shared good memories. Um, and I wish I could update you guys more. But as of now, um, this is basically it. Please don't uh, ask any more questions if I know more about Joe, because I simply don't know. Um, but I wish to inform you guys as soon as possible. The, um, the updates will come either through uh, my Instagram page or YouTube channel, Noel Diesel's Instagram page or YouTube channel, Nikki's uh, Instagram page, that's Joe's girlfriend or the family directly, right? When they are ready to, um, you know, post something, um, you guys will know. But as of now, the memorial will be Monday, six o'clock. If you want to put flowers or, or something else, right, you can do so from seven o'clock in the morning. Again, details down below soon. All right, let's get started with the vigorous Q&A. Let's keep it light. Let's keep it light and fun. Let's talk about, um, well, performance-enhancing drugs. I guess that's what the vigorous Q&A is there for. You know what, guys? Th two weeks ago, right, I smoked a cigar in this room, and it still smokes like cigar. <laughs> so we're not going to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do that again. All right, I'm going to select all the cool questions, and uh, then we're going to do... Uh, What's with the bathrobe? So I wanted to do a big Lebowski. I still have the, I still have the wig here. So don't don't make me put it on, dude. But I like this robe. This is my new chill robe. I mean, it's Saturday, one o'clock in the morning. Um, I go to bed at four, and that's why we have the chill robe because after this, I'm going straight to bed. I might slam some melatonin to uh, 
get to sleep. All right, Alexander Colston, what is the best hormone replacement therapy clinic in Bangkok? How long does it take to receive a prescription? Uh, there are several HRT clinics which I've heard wishy-washy reviews about. So I would say go to some of the private hospitals. I got my tier three prescription from a private hospital. And, uh, you know, if you walk in there, androgen deficient. <laughs> Actually, I have a video about this, how to get a script from, a, you know, an endocrinologist for your HRT. Uh, using uh, N-clomiphene to get your LH and FSH levels up within a couple of days, uh, and while still being androgen deficient. Right? You, so you see that your pituitary is functioning, but your testicles are lazy. Um, yeah, you might get a script that way, 200, 250 milligrams testosterone in a day per week, but the ampules from Bayer Testovirin actually contain 312.5 milligrams. So what, whatever they recommend, half an ampule, a whole ampule, you just get your script. And then you walk into the pharmacy to get more of the same product that you're now paying an arm and a leg for. Um, so honestly, you know, with the state of the pharmacies here, I would just buy your own stuff and manage your own HRT. Um, because, you know, nobody has ever asked me for my HRT script here ever. <laughs> so <laughs> why even bother, right? Yeah. All right. Greg George, one dollar. All right. Every dollar goes a long way. If there's a question, I'll remind me to uh, to answer that a little bit lower. All right, Jedi Master, that's right. Roscoe, 94. Hey, Steve, my back has become spotty, acne during a cycle. Is there anything I can do to help this? Thanks. Well, you can start by watching... You said mine? You said me? Oh, that's me. Look at this handsome fella as the avatar. <laughs> Roscoe. <laughs> that's that's this guy. All right. Um, <laughs> let's keep it light. So uh, what can you do about acne? Well, you can uh, watch those acne videos that I have on my YouTube channel. I have uh, five or six of them. But let me remind you real quick, uh, if you have spotty acne on your back, hygiene right take your shirt off after you go to the gym wash it right kill the bacteria with uh you know high temperature washing or what was it uh, not borax but one of the other um you know antiseptic anti whatever um you know washing uh things that you can use and um not bleach will turn your clothes into a different color obviously but you know uh, hygiene sanitation of your training uh equipment right shower multiple times a day if if you still have acne from the bacteria look into doxycycline or a topical isotretinoin or tretinoin cream right or or a high dose vitamin uh, b5 into the 10 20 milligram uh, or 10 to 20 gram dose just split all over the day but yeah watch those videos i will explain everything there plus a couple different uh, options but back acne um, in my opinion, usually has to deal with uh, hormonal imbalance or poor hygiene or bacteria overgrowth on the back, right? But again, it could be, you know, just dairy products. Um, all things can contribute. Thank you for answering the TRT clinic. Yeah, just do it yourself, man. I've been managing my own TRT and then some myself also. It's not that complicated. Watch some of the TRT videos and that will contain all everything you need to know. <laughs> all right. We got a super chat here. Kratos. Got the physique to match. 
I overdid my oxytocin. Oh my god, 240 IELTS, three to four times for 12 weeks, and now it's almost no effect. I dropped it nine days ago. What can I do to get my libido and erections back? Patience, 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 patience. Don't overdo the oxytocin because you downregulate the response. And now, I mean, what else can you do? Some X, DHA, pregnant alone, uh, HCG. You're gonna have to wait, dude. You're gonna have to wait. Maybe cerebral lysine will heal your brain and your receptors, but I doubt it. So, all you can do is uh, just wait, improve your hormone balance, maybe use some X here and there, and uh, with the recommendations I have in the libido video. But, you know, if you are basically coming off that high of a dose of oxytocin and your endogenous oxytocin is uh, substantially less, that's why I mentioned you shouldn't take too high too often, especially not this long, then all you can do is uh, undergo the detox and wait for your sensitivity to come back. Yeah, that's my only recommendation. And I'm not aware of any, um, you know, receptor sensitivity speeding up a protocol out there because I've never heard anybody take this much oxytocin ever. All right, next one. Alexander, if a person has been overweight for a longer time, how do you lower your body's set point weight? Diet, cycle, training tips? What do you mean? You want to be leaner? I mean, you follow the lifestyle and you keep following the lifestyle, so you stay lean. That's all I have to say. You know, you follow the diet in a caloric deficit that is sustainable and nutritious. You follow a cycle that's uh, TRT until you're 12% body fat. Any higher than that will just aromatize. And training, uh, train as hard as you can uh, sustainably uh, keep doing. All right. So there's multiple uh, different things. But for you, you know, if you've been overweight and you want to sustain your body weight at the lower set point, you have to do the thing that's sustainable and that's eating right and training, but not too hard to the point you get injured or overtrained and following a cycle that's, that keeps you healthy. But even then, dude, I mean, you know, as soon as you start slipping up and you lose motivation, you just get fat again. It happened to me also this last five weeks, not going to the gym. I got fat also. That's part of life. Viking. Hey, Steve, does Tremblone artificially inflate estrogen blood work readings? I'm using 500 milligrams of test with 350 milligrams of trinacetate, and my e came back at three, crazy 300 grams per milliliter. Yeah, it can, can happen. Yeah, it really depends on the testing equipment. You know, I've seen blood work here in Thailand and various labs where, uh, you know, estradiol levels are just normal. You have a test cycle and then they add the trembolone in and the estrogen doesn't budge. And then on other labs, uh, the, the estradiol levels go sky high. Sometimes it's on the progesterone levels. So, you know, if, if this is occurring, try to get, uh, you know, high sensitivity testing uh, done for your estradiol and your testosterone levels and your other, uh, you know, hormone markers. And that way, you know what, your estradiol levels are actually at. But if your estradiol levels goes back at 300 picograms per milliliter, then you need to take some affirmative action and put in, um, you know, some aromatized inhibitors. Uh, because you know, even on 500 tests, if you're high body fat or a high aromatizer, then yeah, you might still have 300 picograms per milliliter in your estradiol, even if trembolone is not giving you a false positive. It could be an actual real reading. So do additional testing. And uh, and then you know you know decide which route you want to go forward. And if sensitive estrogen estradiol testing is not available, um, you know maybe maybe you look into your secondary uh, you know hormones like SHBG, HDL, um, markers that are related to your serum estradiol levels. So if your 
SHBGs and HDL are quite high, you might assume that SHDL levels is indeed 300 picograms per milliliter. But if your HDL is really, really low and your SHBG is really, really low, then the trembolone acetate could be giving you a false positive on your estradiol levels. Again, it's not 100% foolproof method. That's why you have sensitive estradiol testing. And, you know, you can always take a trembolone acetate out and retest in about a month, which should give you enough time for most of the trembolone to metabolize and then see what your serum estradiol levels actually come back at. All right. Don't go by effects and side effects because, uh, you know, you look on paper and say, oh, my estrogen levels are high, and now suddenly your libido is gone, even though it was phenomenal. Before you checked your blood work, right, then you get influenced by the results, not actually by how you feel. Mm -mm -mm. Rye free kicker, <coughs> sorry, rye free kicker. Hey, Steve, do you recommend Tomsartan for a per person who blasts lightly? No trend, no orals, etc. I mean, check your blood pressure levels and see if your blood pressure needs managing. And it's a blood pressure medication. You can act, uh, add it in prophylactically, like so many people want to recommend, but it's, uh, you know, how many medications do you want to run <laughs> prophylactically? <laughs> the bivalol, when your blood... Uh, when you don't have any heart enlargement and tomosartan when you don't have high blood pressure and um empagliflozin when you don't have high serum glucose levels or metformin when you don't need to do any anti-aging when you're young uh, you can go overboard fast um you know if you're on the grams of gear it might be good to put it in it might be better to put nabivalol in to prevent heart enlargement and get you know, blood pressure reduction at the same time. And all these uh, additional benefits like, uh, you know, PPR uh, modulation or uh, supposedly uh, keeping your hematocrit under control, that's, that's a very small benefit when it comes to telmosartan. You take it as a blood pressure medication to prevent negative heart remodeling. I feel that Nimbivalol does a much better job in that. Uh, but again, not everybody likes Nimbivalol. They prefer telmosartan. So you go with the compound that works if and only if you need it. All right, next one. All right, Professor, you're out. I see you spam the questions the whole time, which I do not like. Kratos, currently on 50 milligrams pregnenolone, 75 milligrams DHEA, prescribed uh, 20 milligrams progesterone. Oh, that's pretty high. I would reduce it to 5 to 10 milligrams. Um, estradiol is 30.9 picograms per milliliter on the range from 8 to 35. Must be a sensitive test. Um, pregnenolone, uh, yeah, pre pregnenolone, 65 nanograms per deciliter below. Okay, so it can be a little bit higher. But that's free pregnenolone, not pregnenolone sulfate. GHA serum is low and progesterone 1.3. Okay, so I would bring your uh progesterone supplementation down to 10 milligrams and next time check your dhea um sulfate and pregnenolone sulfate levels because your free levels might be low but your um sulfate versions which is basically the reservoir of these hormones right they're inactive but your body will uh, convert dhea into dhea sulfate and vice versa with the steroids uh sulfatase enzymes uh, freely as needed. So even though free levels might be low, uh, bound uh, levels might be high enough, and thus the overall effects might be sufficient. So in this case, uh, check your sulfate versions and lower your progesterone supplementation to 5 to 10 milligrams 
to bring your progesterone levels down below one nanogram per milliliter. That would be my recommendation. But if you feel good like this, and you don't get too much sedation from the pregnant uh, progesterone, <laughs> again, we're talking about the progesterone. Uh, if you don't get too much sedation from the 20 milligrams progesterone, just keep it as it is. Right? Numbers on paper don't actually have to represent how you feel. Some people feel better with higher progesterone levels. Failed bodybuilder. How can I regain or get more sustainable aggression while using fluvoxamine? And the whole point of that, <laughs> of using an SSRI, is that, not, that you're not perpetually angry all the time. Also, what's the name of the SSRI with myrnorgenesis than fluvoxamine? That is viroxetine. Let me... Viroxetine. I always forget how to spell that. So let me consult Google and then put it on the screen. <laughs> ah. Vortiocetine. Vortiocetine? This is how you spell it. Vortiocetine. Apparently, this is higher neurogenesis than fluvoxamine. Um, let me scroll down. Where is the question? Here. So if you want more sustained aggression, um, you'll have to bring the dose down because when I was on 100 milligrams fluvoxamine, I could not tap into my aggression, which was honestly, um, you know, bliss, finally, because I was training with aggression for such a long time. And then you think you have to train like that to deal with your aggression. But in reality, in reality, guys, by training with aggression, you keep your aggression going and you don't get a break. You're just perpetually angry even before your workout and after your workout. Or after your workout, you're pretty sedated, pretty relaxed. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, it felt nice to have a vacation from that shit, finally. So I can't wait to get back on uh, fluvoxamine or this vortiocetine, whatever it's called, um, to deal with my uh, yeah, demons. <laughs> Adrian, what's up, bro? Uh, how have you been? Steve, do you mind wishing my oldest son, Oliver, shout out to Oliver, a happy birthday, 17. He shouldn't be watching this channel, dude. <laughs> but anyway, happy uh, happy birthday, Oliver. Oliver, 17 years old. You're about uh, seven, eight years away from uh, being able to subscribe to this YouTube channel because anything earlier is uh, not a good idea. He knows of you through me, so don't worry. He's not doing anything. Okay, good. He's a great kid who's off to the Air Force next year and loves lifting. Okay, keep lifting. Um, maybe bring some protein packs with you to the Air Force because I've heard that, uh, you know, military food is not the greatest. Tons of carbohydrates. So uh, do your best, buddy. Keep lifting. And uh, we'll see you over the next couple of years. Uh, maybe we can even meet in Thailand, you know, but make sure you're 21 first and uh, sit down with your dad before coming to Thailand because... Thailand is a crazy place, especially if you've just been a couple of years in the military. <laughs> Too much bottled up. Um, yeah, I'll take you to the good places. Don't worry. But you have to be an adult first. Even another client, former client. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Eva, Ivan Ball. Do you think allergy meds, uh, antihistamines will impact muscle hypertrophy? Suggestions on timing with training to mitigate the effects. Yeah, so, you know, allergy medications, antihistamines will make you drowsy, obviously. It will improve your sleep quality to a certain extent, right? Making you falling asleep faster, but it doesn't really improve your recovery throughout the night. So if you have seasonal allergies, um, 
you know, and you have to take, uh, you know, antihistamines for that, then I think your workout capacity might be impaired if those antihistamines are still keeping you sedated and drowsy the next day uh, during your workout. But, you know, you have to look into the total picture. Is it worth, you know, undergoing all these side effects uh, from the allergies that you're experiencing to have a good workout or take the edge off the allergies and have your workout maybe come down with the 5%? Uh, and does have less, uh, you know, hypertrophy as a result, which you can also compensate for by eating a little bit more food or taking a little bit more TRT. You know, maybe not the best recommendation, but still, you know, there's always ways around it. Yeah, the only antihistamine I ever run was ketotifen and, you know, alongside clenbuterol to help with the beta-2 adrenergic receptors. And I would notice that after about two weeks, three weeks of consecutive dosing, I would just be so freaking lethargic throughout the day. Um, yeah. So I'd rather not. Thomas, add T3 and T4 to a first cycle with testing clen. Um, maybe start with T4 if you want to get lean, but I don't think it's necessary. You can also take uh, iodine stable salt to get your iodine in and uh, selenium from dietary protein sources, which are full with selenium or selenium, however you fuck you want to pronounce it. And uh, <laughs> that way your thyroid levels should stay pretty okay. And if you're doing your first cycle with test and clean, that's not so much anabolism to combat the uh, catabolism that you might get for T3. So otherwise you're going to get flat as fuck. Yeah, so be ready if you add in the T3. Um, I have a video about how to get off thyroid medications. You would be well off to watch that before you add in the T3 or the T4 to your uh, first cycle to cut. I'm assuming you're doing this to cut. Tommy, question below. Uh, where is it? Tommy, where's your question? Tommy, I don't see a question, bro. Please post it again. If it doesn't go through, it's probably because some of the uh, words are added to the spam filter. Because <laughs> my spam filter is thick, unfortunately. Viking. Damn, I wish I knew this before I knew my estradiol with extra AI. Feeling like garbage now and zero libido. Should have sticked with my regular AI dose. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, uh, blood work first. <laughs> And then make adjustments to your AI. So all you need to do is go back to your previous AI dose and then your libido will come right back. And otherwise, watch those libido videos with some alternative solutions. Some oxytocin, right? Don't overload the oxytocin like the previous guy. But a low dose of oxytocin, 10, 20 IUs, a couple times a week uh, as needed, uh, might be very beneficial to bring your libido back, even in the absence of um, estradiol. Right. Tommy, I don't see your question, bro. Hmm. Well, hopefully it will pop up. Otherwise, just post it again, Tommy. Tommy. Uh, let me scroll up a little bit. Don't see it. Sorry, guys. Let's go to the next super chat. Lawrence, hey Steve, does Primo lower testosterone levels on blood? I'm on testosterone anathate 300 milligrams and Primo 450, but my testosterone reading is lower than expected. 
but only when Primo is in. Um, no, I've never seen that to happen. It should be exactly the same. I mean, if you're taking 300 milligrams of test per week, you're taking 300 milligrams of test per week. And I don't think Primo displaces that out of the bloodstream or from the androgen receptor at all. So uh, it could be a dosing uh, frequency, or if you're mixing your testosterone antate with your primabolin and you're diluting the injection, speculating here, let's say you're taking testosterone antate 300 milligrams for one milliliter, and before you were doing uh, 300 milligrams per one milliliter per week, so that's one milliliter with this concentration, and now you're adding four and a half milliliters of primabolin, assuming it's 100 milligrams for one milliliter. So now you go from one milliliter of injectables to five and a half milliliters of injectables, and maybe you're diluting your testosterone inotate concentration for this amount of injection volume that you now have, and thus the rate at which your testosterone inotate is hitting the bloodstream is slower than before, right? That would be my assumption uh, besides... The fact that you may be on a new batch of testosterone and um, maybe the new batch of testosterone is uh, kind of underdosed. Right? How's your anabolism? Is that still good? <laughs> That's what we're after, right? All right? We don't treat the numbers, guys. We treat the patient. Man, where are we? I'm, I'm trying to look for uh, Tommy's question, but I don't see it. <laughs> Well, Batman says hit the like button. Yeah, guys, what ba whatever Batman says, you got to do. So hit that like button because uh, likes make the world go round. Ah, here it is, Tommy. My wife is coming off the birth control pill. Any supplements you suggest? Uh, calcium deglucurate to get that uh, ethanol estradiol out of her body as fast as possible. And uh, that's about it. Maybe look into supplemental DHEA for a while to uh, kind of help with her neurosteroids and uh, testosterone levels to get that libido back. And um, yeah, get ready to make some babies, I would say. Hopefully you're off your uh, hormonal stuff too, just like I am. And uh, but usually, you know, from what I see, most women are okay within a month of discontinuing birth control pills. And if that's not the case, um, you know, you have to do a blood work and see what's going on, right? If your metabolism is messed up from the birth control, or she's having polycystic ovarian uh, issues, or or I mean, metabolic issues or or libido issues, right? You have to address that separately. And blood work is an early indication of doing that. But you can start that about a month after uh, stopping the birth control. At which point um you know the, the her period should be you know returning and stable thomas uh greetings from belgium and thank you for the answer but what was the question did i answer a question oh here yeah <laughs> adding uh to a cycle okay my pleasure my pleasure i read that one in english because english is uh more commonly understood than Dutch or Belgian. Uh, all right. Viking again. Thanks a lot, Steve. And when can I start the HCG after I finish my trend cycle to restore my HPTA? Well, you're not restoring your HPTA, only the TA. Right? You're replacing the P to the T. So the hypothalamic to the pituitary is a kiss gonadorelin. <laughs> Right, a gonadotropin hormone releasing hormone, 
And then the P to the T is the pituitary to the testicles, that's the luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone, which you can replace the luteinizing hormone with human chorionic gonadotropin. And now you have, uh, well, not really an axis, because gonadotropin and the LH and FSH are still suppressed, but you're basically uh, punching the testicles um, in the nuts with HEG in a positive sense. So I would wait. Uh, I don't know, six weeks after your last shot of trembolone. Keep in mind that it's detectable for five months, but those are the metabolites. Might not necessarily suppress your testicular function, uh, but are still detectable in a urine test if you uh, happen to be chased by water and then they grab your dick out of your pants and put it in a cup and watch you pee. Can you imagine the job of a doping officer watching other dudes pee? Why? Why would you choose such a job? Well, there are necessity, <laughs> so these guys can get paid. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would uh, wait uh, six weeks after your last train, start the HCG, run it for a couple months, check your fertility parameters, and then uh, get busy. Mike, I'm an HRT plus. Test and decade, my total testosterone is 1,000 nanograms per deciliter. I work a very physical job. Want to take Anavar to help my elbows and BBC TB500 uh, isn't cutting it. How much and how long uh, would you suggest? How hard? Yeah, that would be, yeah. That's uh, Then I can say that's what she said, right? Okay, uh, let's not go there. So uh, Anavar, um, I don't know, start with 10 milligrams, see what happens. But I would rather have you do growth hormone Anavar PBC157, TB500, and copious amounts of collagen and vitamin C, which I mentioned in the videos uh, describing how to heal your connective tissue. And again, it, it you know if it's not enough on this dose, it might mean that you're simply overworked physically and you need time off. I mean, I took five weeks off from every activity this week besides lovemaking. Oh, Yes, <laughs> don't ask that of me, right? So I did some physical activity and did some cardio, but not this week. So I took five weeks off and now all my injuries are good. Like my shoulders feel fresh, my knees feel good. I can just squat down without any pain. Sometimes you just need time off. And again, I took fuck all drugs this week, right? Or this month, besides HCG and FSH, my testosterone levels are about 600, 700, 800 nanograms per deciliter. No TB500, no BBC157. Rest, let it heal. Right? Sometimes you need to, but if you can't take a, a, a month off to recover, then yeah, I would just hit it from all angles. And uh, and that's the BPC 157, TB 500, one milligram of each per day, 10 to 20 milligrams of Anavar, two to four units of growth hormone, whatever test and decade protocol you're on. And, um, you know, maybe some hot packs, some cold packs, some, some good deep tissue massage therapy to improve blood flow through the issues that you're having an issue with, the grassland therapy, grassland technique, whatever. And that way uh, you can, um, yeah, kind of address it from all angles. Do some sauna, do some ice bath, do some hyperbaric chamber, right? There's a million different things you can do. So, um, yeah, look into all options. Thomas, hey, Steve, I ran 500 milligrams of testosterone, 500 milligrams of mastron per week, and crush my SHBG to four nanomoles per liter. Must be a new record. Good job. Estrogen is at 61 picograms per milliliter. What HCG protocol time in IU would you recommend to restore SHBG? And what do you um, recommend another method? Um, if the mastron is still in there, you're not going to do anything about your SHBG. 
uh, you would need to use a selective estrogen receptor modulator like uh, clomiphene, tamoxifen, Novadex, and raloxifene because your estradiol is already high and HCG is not going to contribute much. Might bring it up to six nanomoles per liter and ectisterone and terkesterone might bring it up to six, seven nanomoles per liter. But if you go on either thyroid medication or a selective estrogen receptor modulator, your nanomoles on your SHBG might come up to 15, 20 nanomoles per liter. Uh, might be better just to come off. Yeah. Sometimes you need to. If your SHBG is this low, you're probably not going to make any more significant gains. Your libido is probably fucked. And just your cue cards or your cue to come off cycle. And then when you go back on TRT, you add in the HCG, then your SHBG will come back. And then, uh, you know, after three months, yeah, all you have to do is maintain your physical shape, which is easy. I was able to maintain my physical shape for six months after coming off cycle. But then after my body trip, it kind of fell apart. So it was six months. I didn't take anything. I still look good. Those pictures are documented on my YouTube channel and on my Instagram page. So don't, uh, don't think that it's all going to fall apart you know, as long as you put in the work. LIGO. Uh, 500 milligrams at the moment. Um, okay. What is that, berberine? <laughs> 500 milligrams of what, bro? <laughs> Training 14 sets of failure per week, one time uh, per muscle group. Uh, Dom set in five days to clear. Oh, should I lower the intensity, increase frequency? No, just look into an over-the-counter supplement like uh, citrulline malate or beta alanine or uh, injectable pre-workouts to, uh, you know, remove the lactic acid buildup that occurs and gives you this delayed onset of muscle soreness and improve your hydration because in many cases, uh, DOMS is directly correlated to hydration. And if you're dehydrated chronically, then you know your metabolic waste products from the training are not going to go anywhere. So here, yeah, it's been, it's been one hour and 40 minutes and I'm already here, right? But of course I have an air conditioning and a fan blowing in my mouth. That's why my lips are so dry. Uh, and you were talking all the time, so you get thirsty AF. Hydration, hydration, hydration. It will solve a lot of problems. Trust me. And uh, and otherwise, you're just training too hard, man. You know, 14 cysts to failure per week is not that much. Honestly, it's not that much. Maybe that's 500 milligrams of berberine you need to replace with 500 milligrams of testosterone. Oh, it's starting to rain. Hopefully, the audio quality will be good. And fingers crossed, the internet connection will stay online also. Chicken and rice. Not here. Anyway, to lower carpal tunnel um, sites while running a lot of growth hormone. Yeah, you'll um, you'll have to add in the taurine, maybe 5,000 milligrams per day, 1,000 milligrams with each meal. So let's split that over the day or take 5,000 milligrams before your workout. Um, hydration. Again. Uh, Telmisartan is good for um, carpal tunnel syndrome because it acts as a vasodilator, of course. And now, you know, the the uh, fluid can flow more freely through the entire area with your nerves and your muscle and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and otherwise you reduce the dose of growth hormone for a while until the carpal tunnel goes away. And then you slowly build it up. So maybe you go from 12 to 10, right? assuming that it's that high. Uh, you go from 10, uh, 12 to 10, keep it there for a while, no carpal tunnel, right? resolve that with hydration, uh, tomosartan and uh, taurine at the same time for the osmotic pressure between the intercellular and extracellular space, including in the nerves. And 
you know, once you're used to that and the carpal tunnel is completely gone, and you can actually make a fist and punch people in the face, if that's what you're after, then you increase it to 12 values and then see if the carpal tunnel returns. And if it doesn't return, keep it there for a month or two for your homeostasis to kind of balance out, right? So nice and slow increases. Don't go to uh, 18 IU's growth hormone because you saw uh, Chase Irons do that. Right? Even Chase Irons built his way up. That's why he's a walking tank right now. Donald, you've mentioned you've executed cardiovascular imaging labs to ensure your heart is not compromised. What labs imaging would you definitely suggest to rule out cardiac complications? All right, so you start low. Um, you start with blood work, right? You check your cardiac markers. That your that's your uh, troponin T, troponin I, pro in uh, pro BMP. ProBMP, <laughs> that one, and the CKMB, that's a heart-specific um, uh, creatine phosphokinase, stands for creatine phosphokinase and myocardial band, CKMB. Check those. Check your high-sensitivity C-reactive protein levels. Check your serum electron levels, your creatinine levels, your blood pressure, obviously. That's your uh, low-level diagnostics. Then the first level of uh, actual diagnostics, actual imaging is the electrocardiogram so that you put electrodes around your chest and you get a you know 10 20 second film or you just later on the bed so they can see what your peaks and valleys and your cardiac function is then a level beyond that is a 48 or 72 hour holter monitor which are the same electrodes on your chest you can't shower and it monitors your cardiac function for 24 48 or 72 hours so you go to the gym see what happens with your heart you sleep see what happens to your heart you have six yeah, interesting. I've been there with that holter monitor and all the electrodes and the wires slapping you across the chest. Not the greatest experience, but you have to do what you have to do as a man, right? Um, so, yeah, so you get all the imaging uh, while you're, um, you know, doing your daily chores and activities. Uh, that's another level. Then beyond that, you have an, uh, an ultrasound, an echo of your heart. Of course, it's the same imaging uh, you would use uh, similarly to a liver ultrasound or kidney ultrasound or a you know testic testicular ultrasound right so you get an ultrasound here and on the sides you get that diagnosed then you have an mri with or without contrast it's a gallonidium contrast you have to sign a waiver that your um you know if you get uh, kidney issues from the gallonidium that it's not their fault because you're doing uh, the gallonidium administration willingly so again you have to check your kidney function before getting any kind of contrast administered. You also get adenosine um, uh, monophosphate, which is a very potent vasodilator. 40 milligrams intravenously, you'll be hyperventilating like um, you're on Mount Everest. So you get the uh, adenosine monophosphate first uh, after about two hours in the MRI, and then you get the gallonidium um, contrast administered, and then they see how the gallonidium flows through these vasodilated blood vessels of your heart while you're holding your breath painstakingly. Then the last thing uh, that you can do is a cardiac um, uh, CT scan, right? The well, whatever it stands for, um, with or without contrast. That one goes a lot faster. So they do a little bit of imaging without the radioactive iodine and then with the radioactive iodine. Again, don't do that right after um, you know the, the MRI with contrast because again, it all goes through your kidneys. Um, they'll in, administer a small dose of radioactive iodine just to test the waters. 
then the full dose of radioactive iodine, or at least it happened to me, so that you can see if there's any plaque in your arteries, at least hard plaque, maybe not the soft plaque, that depends on the imaging and the equipment that they have available. And then, um, yeah, then you're pretty much done, I think. Yeah, of course, you have even more diagnostic uh, CT scans, but it's only available in the United States. Derek, uh, more place, more dates, sent something to me. Uh, about getting it done when I go to the US because it's not available here. So it's a little bit more accurate, new version of the CT scan. Um, if I remember, I'll post a link to that website down below. Uh, of course, I'll have to pay that out of pocket. So all of your super chats, highly appreciate it because medical imaging is not cheap. But Donald knows this. That's why he dropped 25 fucking dollars to get a full answer out of me. <laughs> nice work. All right. <laughs> Let's go on to the new super chat. How does HCG keep you fertile if it only affects uh, the LHCG receptor? Can you just step off TRT and just take HCG while uh, trying to get your girl pregnant? Love you, man. That's what I'm doing, right? But I'm also adding in the FSH. So from all the research that I've done, it is better um, to combine HCG with recombinant FSH. There's not so much evidence on recombinant luteinizing hormone and uh, recombinant follicle stimulating hormone because recombinant luteinizing hormone is very, very new and almost unsourceable. And when it's sourceable, mad freaking expensive when you compare it to the IU dose or the effective dose of HCG. So I'm using recombinant FSH. Um, you know, thank you, anabolic pharmacist. You are my best buddy. And uh, of course, the HCG Merck overdraw is also coming from the anabolic pharmacist, everybody's best friend. Um, so from all the research that I've done, a combination of a high-dose HCG and a high-dose or 75-high-dose FSH seems to be the dose that uh, improves fertility the most, as you guys will see next week from my latest fertility parameters, which we'll do, um, we get the nasty done tomorrow. We'll donate and not uh, offer that on eBay. That will be for the lab. My sincere apologies. <laughs> yeah, that will never happen. I'm not that desperate. Thanks for all the super chats. I don't need to. Uh, let's see. Where were we? <laughs> oh yeah so um i came off trt because on trt i train hard and uh, testosterone increases oxidative stress slightly but training hard does it more so so i handicapped myself by coming off trt and not uh, being able to train super hard so my oxidative stress is low and then of course all the antioxidants which are present in my body um, should improve fertility even more so long story short hcg fsh ton of antioxidants, keeping your testicles in ideal temperature multiple times per day with the icing the testicles protocol, which I also have a video about. And then, um, yeah, within six months, I think you can get your girls pregnant. You know, it's, uh, I think I'm ready to start conceiving in August, but let's see tomorrow. Let's see tomorrow. Maybe uh, I won't be pulling out anymore, which is so unromantic. Ugh. It's the most unromantic thing ever. All right, I think, oh no, here we are. Oh my God, this, did I miss a lot of questions? I guess so. All right, I have to go through these super chats a little bit faster. Mohammed, I stopped taking finasteride after three months due to puffy nipples. Estradiol was 51 picograms per milliliter. Should I try finasteride and estrel or loxifene? Is that even natty? No, it's not natty anymore. And I don't think you'll have puffy nipples on estradiol, 51 picograms per milliliter. Your body fat levels might be a little bit too high, and thus you're holding water in that nipple area. Um, I rarely see people develop gyno on a 51 picogram per milliliter estradiol level, but again, it could be the case. Maybe, uh, you know, your bloodstream has 51 picograms per milliliter, but, you know, the peripheral tissue around your nipple has a lot of aromatization. 
Um, I don't know. Check your full hormone panel. See how your libido is. See how your DHT levels are. See how your hair loss currently is. Uh, but again, hair loss, gyno, body fat levels. It doesn't only have to do with your hormone levels. It can also be with your current state of health. So focus on your health. Focus on your micronutrient intake. Focus on your cardiovascular health. And then maybe you don't even need free right? Or you don't even need uh, roloxifene because you're just in a better state of health. And now you don't get all of these side effects, which you're now attributing to hormone use, which in reality come from you not being healthy, right? Or not paying extra special attention to your health. Um, yeah. And if that's still the case, um, 60 to 120 milligrams roloxifene per day can shrink your, shrink your gyno. It might not be good for your hairline. And in this day and age of uh, clotting risk, I would not take serums long periods of time because clotting issues are also associated with serums. And, um, you know, with this day and age, um, yeah, clotting is something you need to manage very, very carefully. S225, uh, how long should four grams per week of IP6 be taken for hematocrit management? I'm assuming that those isn't meant to be run year round. It depends on your iron intake. I mean, IP6 doesn't, you know, bring your hematocrit down, down. It lowers your iron absorption and thus indirectly uh, can keep your hematocrit levels in range. But, um, you know, four grams of IP6, um, if your serum iron levels are very, very low, but your hematocrit is still high, then it's obviously not doing it, anything that you want. So you might have to look into anatoprel, you might have to look into methylene blue, which apparently also quite potent at higher dosages to reduce your hematocrit. Um, can actually cause anemia if you take it long enough. Uh, same as anatoprel. Uh, therapeutic blood donation, right? Uh, power red donation. Uh, you know, doing so much blood work that you reduce your hematocrit that way <laughs> multiple uh, different things but again ip6 we take to lower our iron levels and then the reduction in the red blood cell count and hematocrit is a downstream effect is a downstream effect and if you take a lot of beef because you want to stay super anabolic then ip6 is definitely recommended because iron overload is also not very good for your liver health all right next one thomas is it possible to run nolvidex uh Tamoxifen, Nolvidex, or Clomiphene. <laughs> All right, so Tamoxifen and Nolvidex is the same thing. Um, is it uh, useful to run Tamoxifen or Clomiphene on a TRT dose to restore SHBG? If so, what dose would you recommend? By the way, libido is good at four nanomoles per liter. So I would, I think that the one that increases uh, SHBG the most is uh, Clomiphene, Inclomiphene, one of those. Nolvidex and tamoxifen might actually, um, of course, uh, you know, contribute to lower or less of an SHBG boost because it also brings your serum estradiol levels down because norendoxifen, the one of the metabolites of Nolvidex, is a potent aromatized inhibitor. So I would I would go with uh, clomiphene or enclomiphene, 25 milligrams per day, run it for four weeks, and then uh, see what happens. Check your LH and FSH levels and your SHBG levels because maybe that the dose of clomiphene is sufficient enough to suppress your... Um, or um, get to block your estrogen receptors in the pituitary and the hypothalamus, and maybe you get some LH and FSH out of it, right? So report back to us in one month, but do your blood work again. Say in Seoul, I just started taking GW1516, MK2866, so that's Austrian, right? Can I add nicotinamide mononucleotide? Trying to cut down to 50 milligrams was lazy and gate a bunch. 
what you're cutting down to 50 kilograms <laughs> how light are you bro <laughs> 50 milligrams? I was lazy and gained a bunch of fat, trying to change my life. Okay, you can change your life without the Osterine and the GW1506. Keep in mind that Osterine will suppress your testosterone production, so at one point you'll be androgen deficient and the estrogen deficient and you feel even worse. Why don't you start with nicotinamide mononucleotide, 1,000 milligrams per day to get your energy levels up and uh, maybe 20 to 30 milligrams GW1516 before fancy cardio and try to get it uh, done that way. Yeah. I don't like SARMs. Start researching about SARMs and then you know why I don't like SARMs. So 50 kilograms. Yeah, I know. You might want to take some testosterone to uh, to offset that and bring you up to, uh, you know, 75 or maybe more. Thomas, is the anabolic pharmacist legit? He's the most legit source that I know. Yeah, this guy's a fucking saint. Compared to all of the other sources, it makes all of the other sources look like kindergarten kids anabolic pharmacist is the gold standard of what a source should be and i don't even have a discount code <laughs> with the guy <laughs> so imagine how much of a blessing that guy has by me saying that uh yeah is 100 legit 200 compared to everybody else but when he's out of stock he's out of stock and you can't bug him for it that's my fault <laughs> Because Stevie buys in bulk, baby. Mitya, on TRT, 125 milligrams per week, subcutaneous injections daily. Blood work says cholesterol levels are still in the reference range. LDL a little higher. Is it still wise to run retroesterase or citrus bergamot? Greetings. Uh, I would just run citrus bergamot with berberine and not use the retroesterase. Because if the LDL is a little bit higher, what are we talking about? 110? whoop de doo You know, TRT, that's that's... Right, that dose of TRT is a, is a, yeah a daily dose for most guys, and their LDL is still not horrible. So, 500 milligrams citrus bergamot in the morning and 500 milligrams in the evening. Feel free to add in 500 milligrams of uh, berberine in the evening as well, which has a synergistic effect regarding your blood blood glucose levels and your cholesterol levels. And then uh, do your blood work again, see how much your LDL dropped and your HDL came up because citrus bergamot, unlike red yeast rice, unlike azetamide, unlike statins, citrus bergamot can actually improve HDL levels a little bit. So that would be my go-to. And red yeast rice is um, kind of obsolete now that we have azetamide. So I, I know you used to talk about red yeast rice, but uh, as a natural statin, and again, I used to be a hardcore meathead so taking copious amounts of PEDs and thinking that everybody was on Winstrol, uh, which I now realize that not everybody is. So red yeast rice is obsolete. <laughs> Look into azetamide instead. If needed. Fragrance man. My IGF-1 is 366 nanograms per milliliter. Hand it over. Give me some of that. Only on TRT. Never used insulin or growth hormone. Doesn't, uh, doctor doesn't know why and not concerned. But I'm curious. Uh, because your liver is healthy. Yeah. So don't abuse it. Don't abuse your liver going forward, right? Uh, check your growth hormone levels, check your cortisol levels, check your fasting insulin levels, see if there's any correlation. But uh, some people just have higher IGF-1 levels, man. And roll with it. Roll with it. Make the, Build the most muscle that you can with it. Um, you know, if you're only on TRT and you have your IGF-1 levels this high, it just means that your liver is in prime condition and your liver is cooperative, even though your pituitary was not cooperative, otherwise you wouldn't have been on TRT. But it means your liver is, um, it loves you, 
and that's why it's giving you a lot of IGF-1 and it's up to you to put that to work and otherwise send your blood to me and I'll put it to work for you <laughs> yeah soon I see two I see two lines on my wife's pregnancy test and I'm uh, back on TRT maybe some IGF-1 too let's see Alan uh, using oral four grams of carnitine, but T4 came back lower after a month of fat loss stalled, even with fast cardio. Started 200 micrograms level thyroxine. Do they stack? Yes, they do. So carnitine reduces T4. Thanks, coach. Nice day. So, yeah, I know uh, Dr. Scott Stevenson gave everybody a heart attack that uh, carnitine at higher doses was used to uh, prevent thyroid storm. It's not something you would see in your blood work, but it will inhibit the effects uh on the cellular level so not in your blood work your t4 and t3 levels will still be the same if you make a dose to carnitine so it's up to you to not make a dose to carnitine and I, I believe that the clinical doses are like two grams three grams injectable so if you do 500 milligrams injectable carnitine i don't think you're going to inhibit any kinds of uh, thyroid storm that might be present but you might facilitate additional fat loss so um you know four grams of oral carnitine take 500 milligrams with each meal i think three thousand or three three grams of carnitine is more than enough so you have 500 milligrams with six meals or maybe 500 milligrams with five meals and thousand milligrams before the workout or 500 milligrams with four meals and a thousand milligrams before fasted cardio and a thousand milligrams before the workout right a total of uh, four grams or three grams whatever i already lost count uh, yeah, and then you supplement your T4 accordingly, but I don't think you need a 200 micrograms level thyroxine T4. I think 100 micrograms is more than enough. So, again, do your blood work. And if you still stall on this protocol, you might need a diet reset. You increase your calories for a bit, one or two weeks. You take the cardio out. You boost your metabolism, and you start again on the same diet you were following. And you should be losing body fat again. Sometimes you just need a reset. LIGO, uh, I had to take 25 milligrams of romacin uh, underground lab in 500 milligrams testosterone cypionate underground lab per week to maintain my estrogen at 25 milligrams, uh, 25 picograms per milliliter. My body fat is 20%, bro. Actually, 25 milligrams of romacin for 500 milligrams test is not too bad. And your estrogen is quite low. Should I run only DECA instead or low test 300 trend, even TRT? Uh, get gynocytes. So with, uh, with estradiol that low, I don't think you can, can get gynocytes, but maybe your prolactin levels are high, maybe your progesterone levels are high. So uh, look into it from multiple angles. And if your body fat is high, then you might be mistaken uh, fluid retention for gyno. Because at 20% 20 20 body fat, you can grab your nips and uh, yeah, not only feel gyno, you'll feel some fat too. So maybe you should get lean first. And then the worry of gyno will be gone because your body fat levels are lower. Right? Some of us, like myself included, like right now I gain a little bit of body fat and I have fat on my lower back and my lower chest and it's nasty and thick and disgusting, but it's not gyno. Uh, oh, you take 25 milligrams of aromacin every day. Yeah, you might want to change uh, your protocol. That's a lot of aromacin. Please source some pharmaceutical grade. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think your underground lab is that great if you're running that. So, and even though your estradiol levels are quite low, 25 micrograms per milliliter, again, my, my assessment and analysis and recommendations still stand. And I would like to add that your aromacin is a kind of trash. <laughs> Otherwise, your estradiol levels would be zero. 
Ah, saying says 50 kilograms is how much I want to lose. He's 140 kilograms now. All right, you're going to have to uh, suffer a lot and diet hard. Um, and and yeah, I don't think that GW1516 uh, is necessary now uh, because, you know, fat loss, fat burning age you add in when you start stalling and when you're 140 kilograms, you can easily lose 50 grams by just dieting and taking a little bit of uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide. You can save the GW1516 for the end. And if you want results faster, don't eat for a week. As brutal as it sounds. Um, you know, the hard way is the best way and the most sustainable way. Thomas, is it possible to run clomiphene while doing TRT? Yes, of course it's possible. Um, your SHBG will be elevated. Your LH and FSH might be, uh, you know, somewhat in the range. And you're also risking uh, all kinds of issues with your, um, you know, uh, what is it? Your eyesight, right? It's blocking the estrogen receptors in the eyes. So you might get ocular changes. You might get uh, tracers. You might get blurry vision. You might be very emotional. You might not feel so good. You might have risk for clotting, which again, in this day and age, don't subject yourself to additional risks for clotting. Um, that's why I don't think clomiphene is sustainable, but a temporary reason to improve your SHBG levels, yeah, I'm not against it. Not against it at all. Donald, I've had long C, long C, C swear word, symptoms, uh, bonding, pulse, chest pain, uh, son of a bitch, yeah. Getting uh, after getting uh, the C word two years ago, whether it was the 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 V word or the C word, <laughs> can't say anything nowadays. These symptoms are very similar. Yes, I agree. I've had both, and uh, both will make you feel like ass. Uh, these symptoms are very similar. What is your take or root cause of solutions? Okay, so I'm not a doctor, guys, not a doctor, and uh, unfortunately, commenting on these kinds of things will, of course, make the uh, chat go from anti-vax uh, pro-steroids or uh, anti-steroids to pro-vax. I'm sick of that shit. So what I will say is uh, look into methods to improve your cardiovascular health and lower your inflammation levels. And if you have chest pain, uh, again, check your cardiac markers. Go on the, look up to the mitochondrial support stack where I uh, discuss all methods to improve cardiac function. So off the top of my head, that is uh, 5,000 milligrams taurine per day. Uh, carefully regulated uh, electrolyte intake, 200 to 600 milligrams ubiquinol per day, 250 milligrams shilajit fulvic acid with each serving of ubiquinol, perhaps 20 to 40 milligrams of uh, PQQ per day. That's for cardiac function. Keep your blood pressure in range. Remove all the things that are inflammatory that might compound with this inflammatory state that you're now in, either from the V or the C. And... Um, yeah, then take it easy because uh, whatever's in your body right now might take a while to clear. As you can see from my cardiac markers, which are still elevated two years, well, one and a half years later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah imagine what the history books will say a couple decades from now. <laughs> and then you get to say that you live through it. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so... You know, when I got severe myocarditis, I just stayed at home for two weeks and then uh, stayed on my uh, cardiac stack uh, the entire way through. I didn't go to the gym. 
And then when I felt better, I went back to the gym and kept doing my cardio. So if you have a long C symptoms, then look into flavoxamine, which helps with the neurogenesis and injectable carnitine helps with the energy levels. And methylene blue might even help. Right? I've heard a lot of anecdotal reports from people that it, they say that it helps. So a lot of um, different things you can look into, but I, I don't have any experience with it in the context of long C because I didn't have long C. Um, yeah. So, Thomas, what can I do to improve my HDL 33 milligrams per deciliter right now after a cycle while on TRT besides berberine since bergamot? Is Zetamib overkill here? Zetamib is not going to increase your HDL levels, but 500 milligrams citrus bergamot twice per day plus 500 milligrams berberine before bed will. So the next thing you can do is improve your fat intake or increase your fat intake. Fish oil with each meal, 500 to 800 milligrams EPA and DHEA uh, every single meal. And if you only have three meals, then maybe 1,000 milligrams of that with every single meal. Um, increase your healthy fat intake. Maybe go to 50, 60, 100 grams healthy fat per day. Right, you know what I mean, avocados, walnuts, olive oil, that kind of shit, right? Um, healthy fat intake will increase your HDL more than medications will. Um, you know, and otherwise you go on a carnivore diet and you have an HDL of like 80, but an LDL of 250. <laughs> so you, you win some, you lose some. Uh, all right. Peso, what's up, bro? Yo, <laughs> yo, bro. Running a trend experiment. Oh, no. Oh, no. Started with 250 milligrams testosterone. Oh, good. Adding 250 milligrams of trembolone gave me estrogenic side effects. Now, 150 milligrams uh, tests, uh, 12.5 milligrams aromasin per week. But 250 milligrams of trend is great. Does it align with your expectations? Well, you lowered the amount of androgens, so maybe you feel better that way. Maybe 250 milligrams of test and 125 milligrams of trembolone or 150 milligrams of trembolone would have uh, given you uh, no uh, side effects also, right? But how would your lipids look and your liver enzymes look? But of course, the strength would probably also be less. So I don't know. I mean, Peso is a, is a beast, guys. Um, if you see this guy on Instagram, you'll see that he's uh, lifting more than most of us. So um, this is a, a very conservative dose. And uh, I'm sure he's uh, getting good results. So listen, dude, if it works, 150 tests, a little bit of aromacin and 250 milligrams of trim per week. And it's great. And it works. And you're lifting and you feel good. And your blood work results are good. Keep it here for eight weeks and then take the trimbalone out and go back on TRT. Uh, because again, trimbalone shouldn't take too long. Hmm. Let's see. Do my podcast. My amino asylum stampede smells like fish. Wow. <laughs> I can't remember what it smelled like, but it did smell like something. Yeah, but it didn't smell like fish. Mm. Yeah. If it smells like old fish, it's probably not good. Anyway, contact them, you know, and see, see, see if there's an issue. Or maybe inject like 0.1 milliliter sub-Q, see if you have an adverse reaction. Um, I, I remember these, these injectable amino smell like something, but I can't say that it smelled like fish. And it's been months since I used it last because I'm supposed to be off all the gear, you know. And I don't train hard anyway. Uh, oh, did we go through all the super chats? All right. What do you think is the best way to get amino asylum products in Belgium? Okay, you go to Shapito or myus.com. And you uh, open an account there. It's a shipping forwarder. Then you can order anything you want out of the United States, whether those are 
you know, nice shoes, nice clothes, uh, muscular development magazines uh, with yours truly. Um, you know, six-page spread at one point. Yeah. Yes, I did that. Um, so, uh, you know, my US Shapito.com, you make an account there, shipping forwarder, you use that address for Amino Asylum because I only ship US domestic. So you go to the shipping forwarder in the US, Nevada, or somewhere else, and then you forward that to Belgium and you set your own customs invoice to uh, something uh, innocuous like $10, $15 for glassware or, um, you know, you're, you consolidate that with a couple other packages, which comes with a little extra fee. And then uh, you forget about it and hopefully it will come through without issue. Yeah. Maybe you order a couple, uh, you know, one of those uh, the fragrances from Amazon, those... Um, you know, essential oils look similar, you know, vials and those droppers. And you consolidate it, you say essential oils, and then you ship it over, and then the fingers crossed it all goes through. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be one step ahead of these guys. <laughs> Mr. Dude, is adrenal insufficiency and low cortisol possible with TRT? Yes, it's very possible. Yes, because... Uh, you know, TRT lowers your cortisol levels. And if you're doing other stuff like phosphodiesel for example, or, you know, have weird sleep cycles, then yeah, you, you can have adrenal insufficiency. Maybe your DHA levels uh, are so low, your pregnenolone levels are so low that you're not producing any uh, corticosteroids anymore downstream. Are people who use stims more susceptible to this? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think this is something I'm experiencing with HCG possibly help recover the adrenals. Now, it would be better if you go on a high-dose DHA and high-dose pregnenolone. Again, do your blood work first. See where your DHA, pregnenolone, or progesterone levels are at. You can add in HCG. It wouldn't hurt anyway. It will help with energy levels and, uh, and you know, keep your balls active, you know. And then uh, add in like 50 milligrams DHA, 25 milligrams pregnenolone. Give it a month. See how you feel. Then maybe reduce the dose to the maintenance dose. Because uh, it might mean that your DHA sulfate pregnenolone and progesterone levels are too high, right, after the dosing protocol. So uh, in this case, start high and then build your way down to maintain it. All right, where are we? Thomas, can I tell my yes what I'm shipping? I'm not sure about my US, but Shapito, from what I remember. Yeah, you can set your own customs invoice and you just consolidate packages. You don't, and you tell them, don't open the packages, consolidate them in a new package. You write your own customs invoice. You say that it's all, uh, you know, essential oils. You buy a little bit of essential oils from Amazon. You consolidate everything together and you ship it over. And then you do a couple of Hail Marys and uh, you, you pray to Kalima. And <laughs> Yeah, it might rip your heart out, but you pray to Kalima, and then, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll arrive. Otherwise, you fly to the U.S. and you throw it in your luggage. What is this red stuff? It's uh, beetroot extract. And it's these the, the laws of the world. <sighs> Things you have to do for a little bit of fun. All right, we got 20 minutes left. And my gorilla mode respawn is starting to wear out. You know, I'll tell you this. I was very worried for this figures Q&A. I was very worried. And I was worried that everything was going to turn shit <laughs> in the chat. But I'm very thankful that nobody is. Um, 
turning this chat into shit. So my uh, sincere gratitude, guys. It's been a rough week. Um, maybe it's because I added every related keyword to a spam filter. So if your questions are not coming through about the situation, then uh, you know why. But uh, yeah. Again, more explanation in the beginning and in the middle of this video at the one hour mark. And everything else is just, uh, yeah, noise. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. What else can we do? Are there any ways to lower hematocrit volunteer T without a phlebotomy? Um, yeah, see if you have sleep apnea or otherwise look into analopril or uh, methylene blue. Those can both lower your hematocrit levels or IP6 to lower your iron absorption, which then lowers your hematocrit, which I actually answered already two or three times in this podcast. But it is what it is. Add Mark, is mod GRF 1 to 29 and Sir Morellan the same thing? Uh, was it mod GRF 1 to 29 GHRP2? Man, I can't, I don't even know. Mod, I'm gonna ask Google, guys, <laughs> even though you super chatted me for it. <laughs> I'm just gonna add Google. This is what you could have done. But instead, you asked me. <laughs> All right, hopefully, my internet connection doesn't go to shit. What does it say? Oh, it's also known as Sir Morellan. So, yeah, it's Sir Morellan. Yeah. So, it's the same thing. Well, you could have figured that out. Not pay $2, but I'll take it. And if you cancel this super chat, I'm going to haunt you in your dreams. Okay. <laughs> it's getting late, and I'm getting silly. Uh, how to know how much sets to do on cycle. Uh, I can... Uh, do on 500 milligrams testosterone in a day a week. Is it hard to gauge how much to do on a cycle versus now? Is it better frequency one or two? Okay, so we're going to uh, decipher this. And uh, he asks, how many sets can you do on cycle versus off cycle? Uh, as many as you can recover from. Because it's not just about how much food you eat. It's about how you um, perform those sets. And, uh, you know, if you take them to failure or beyond failure, or you do drop sets or supersets or whatever, and, uh, you know, how much you're sleeping and all that stuff. So why don't you start doing the same things you were doing as Natty and then slowly start ramping up the intensity while you increase the food intake as well. And then maybe at one point you'll reach a plateau where you need to take a week off or because you're overtrained and then you take two sets off per workout, for example, right? Push the boundaries a little bit to figure out your breaking point. You take a week off and then uh, you lower that to slightly below your breaking point and uh, increase the food again because more food means more recovery and sleep better sleep more i have a whole video series about that and then um yeah maybe when that 500 milligrams of test isn't sufficient that you still want to train harder then well watch that 2000 milligram uh, testosterone annotate video and then make up your mind because uh, i could train twice a day as hard as i want on that cycle that's not something you have to do but i'm bringing it to your attention Uh, any good, any idea how to source PT-141 in Turkey? 
Uh, no. No, I don't know. I, I I don't know what's available in Turkey. I know what's coming out of Turkey. Bayerima Bolen, and Nordetropen, Genotropen. Uh, but I'm not sure if PT141 is available in Turkey. But, uh, you know, I, I think I have it available uh, on some of my affiliates. So go over to my website, vigorousteve.com. Many of them ship worldwide. Yeah, they might send you in the right direction. Do my podcast. Three weeks IGF-1, one week fasting, then repeat. I wouldn't do fasting, but I would take a week off from the IGF-1 and replace that with uh, metformin. So you do uh, three weeks in IGF-1, let's say 100 to 200 micrograms, either uh, sub-Q or bilaterally, whatever you prefer. And then uh, 500 milligrams metformin for seven to 10 days. The last seven to 10 days of the month, 500 milligrams before bed, and then repeat on nice on the calendar. So you get 12 cycles out of the year. You can be on uh, IGF-1 for 36 weeks out of the year, and then the other 16 weeks you're on metformin. Is that correct? Yeah, 16 weeks, 15 weeks, 500 milligrams metformin to reset uh, uh, IGF-1 receptor sensitivity and just take a little bit of a break. Right? You can stay highly anabolic the entire way through. And then... Uh, uh, you know, continue. Test. I like test. How did you know you had myocarditis? What specifically were your symptoms? Well, you sit there and it feels that somebody's giving you a reach around, but it's um, it's that guy from Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, reaching into your chest and squeezing, but he's not pulling your heart out. And then you go check your uh, metabolic markers and they're all elevated. C-reactive protein is up, albeit slightly. Uh, yeah. Uh, cardiac markers are up, albeit slightly, which don't seem to come down, or at least in my case. And you just feel highly uncomfortable. Yeah, to the point you're wondering if you have to go to the hospital or not. But um, I didn't feel that my myocarditis was uh, so severe that I needed to go to the hospital. So I didn't do that. I just uh, played uh, video games and just worked at home. And then when these symptoms started to dissipate, I went back to the gym. Um, but keep in mind, I'm in a very good physical uh, health, right? My cardiovascular endurance is very, very good. I've been doing all the imaging and all that stuff uh, ahead of uh, taking those um, jabs, uh, which I do highly regret, but sometimes you're kind of forced and bullied into it. Um, not by people, but, you know, by the situation. And, uh, yeah, so I was in a good state of health, and I've been monitoring my health ever since then. And uh, besides my cardiac markers uh, being elevated since then, everything else appears fine. So, you know, knock on uh, MDF that I will be okay. And if I will not be okay, then, uh, well, at one point you'll see a video of me come by, which I pre-recorded. Chill, can you scroll up to my question? I'm a member for fuck's sake. What, really? Did I see something? So it's that's why it's better, Chill, to ask your questions in Patreon. I uh, hear. Because sometimes I miss them, right? <laughs> this is usually for the Super Chats. How do you decide whether to increase Lantus or Novo instead? Um, and there's so many factors. I mean, how's your blood glucose levels for, for first? And if you're on Lantus, um, you have to check your blood glucose levels. And if all of your blood glucose levels are above 80 milligrams per deciliter uh, before each meal, um, before the workout, after the workout, upon waking, and uh, before fasted cardio, basically, and before bed, if they're all, um, you know, above, you know, the, the 80 milligrams per deciliter, 
and they're not over 130 milligrams per deciliter, which means you're losing insulin sensitivity, then you can increase the lentus. So that's for anabolism and recovery and the metabolism the entire way, uh, throughout the entire day. And the Novo uh, Rapid, uh, you would only do pre or post workout or both. And that kind of depends on your workout quality. So uh, depending on how your blood glucose levels are, you can in increase the lentus. And again, if one of your readings start to dip below uh, 80 milligrams per deciliter, you need to increase the carbohydrates with the meal previously, right? That you're, you know, the meal that is leading into that low blood glucose level. Uh, then you can increase the lentis, but, you know, most people don't really need to go over 25 IUs per day unless you're a freak, right? Then you might go up to 50 IUs per day, but it's bodybuilder territory. And then you're better off asking your coach and not me. And over wrap, it kind of depends on your workout quality. So if your pre-workout meal is holding you over, your blood glucose levels post-workout are sustained, and you're not going hypo at any point during the workout, and you feel you can squeeze out a little bit more pump, uh, besides the amino asylum stampede or super shredder, um, maybe increase with two or three IUs. Sounds low, but you know, you're you're training super hard and you will definitely notice a difference. So uh yeah, start there and then uh, see what happens. But you know, if you're a freak, it's not uncommon to end up with 25 IUs of Lantus and, and 10 IUs, 12 IUs, uh, Novolog or Novorapid or Humalog pre-workout and maybe even a similar amount post-workout. And uh, yeah, that's just the way the story goes and the cookie crumbles. Let's see, where are we? Yeah, I'll just paste it here. Okay. For fuck's sake, Steve. <laughs> Please don't haunt me over two dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can guess sometimes it's better to search the channel <laughs> instead of donating stuff. Um, how long can you? Uh, two weeks. I, I would say two weeks. You know, the longer you take clomiphene, the more risk. And even people take clomiphene during PCT for four weeks to six weeks, and they're they're not at risk for clotting. But where where's the longitudinal data of taking clomiphene during these times, right? In combination with C's and V's, V words, there is none. So again, you're increasing the risk. Uh, so personally, I wouldn't take it. This is one of the reasons why I didn't do PCT. Now, this is one of the reasons why I stopped my uh, raloxifene experiment uh, prematurely, because um, I didn't want to undergo the risk. So, yeah, that's why. So anywhere between tw uh, two to four weeks, but do your blood work and see if you want to keep going. And feel free to check your uh, factor V Leiden and fibrinogen levels and your clotting uh, factors and all that stuff, just as an insurance policy. You said, while you're at it, do a CT uh, scan and an MRI to see if you have any blockage. You know, just in case. Take a baby aspirin, you know, just in case. You can, of course, overcomplicate it fast. Hey, Steve, goals are maximum strength and power gains without any large gain in body weight. I was thinking sports dosage of TRT, 2 milligrams per kilogram. Okay, Primbolin or Mastron, 5 milligrams per kilogram, ramping up to 10 milligrams per kilogram. And Renable, anything you would change? Uh, well, you'd have to be in a caloric deficit if you don't want a large uh, gain in body weight. And that's not good for strength and power. So... Dude, if you're, let's say you're 100 kilos, right? You're you're on two, 200 milligrams of test and 500 milligrams of Primo and maybe even 1,000 milligrams of Primo and then what, probably 30 to 50 milligrams of Turinibol. That's another 
210 to 350 milligrams per week. Uh, is that correct? It's late. Don't blame me if it's incorrect. Uh, so you're on like one and a half gram cycle. You don't expect your uh, body weight to go up? Come on now. Come on. You know better than this. And you want your body weight to go up because you want maximum strength and power. So if you don't you want your body weight to go up, then you need to get lean first so you can fit into that fucking weight class. And then when you go on cycle, you have some wiggle room to play with. Um, so, yeah, that will be my uh, recommendation. But if you want maximum strength and power, um, test, train, halo test in a super draw. Don't be a pussy and run Prima Ball and a Mastron. Those are pretty boy steroids. And Terrain Ball especially. <laughs> Those are all pretty boy steroids. Maximum strength and power is not TRT. It's a hefty dose of test and a hefty dose of train and some fucking halo test in a super draw at the end. And a good hamburger to reload after cutting weight to make your weight class. And uh, and then you go ham on that fucking deadlift and whatever you're going to do. Um, and yes, you will gain some body weight. I mean, look at uh, half to your, uh, uh, not Mjolnir, <laughs> half to your Bjornsson when he did that 500 kilogram deadlift. I mean, dude, he looked like twice the human he was when he was uh, boxing. So, <laughs> yeah, you want to be strong, you got to be big also. All right, let's hold the super chats. Then we can get through them and uh, close up shop in five minutes. Uh, ideal amount of growth hormone from L. Garrett. Uh, ideal amount of growth hormone per week for anti-aging and fat loss along with 200 milligrams of TRT. Would 10 IU a week suffice? Two IUs five times a week? Or uh, would more be better? Um, yeah, I think growth hormone is only you know superficial anti-aging, so it will fill in the wrinkles and make you look a little bit youthful. But in reality, it actually speeds up aging because it increases cell proliferation by raising IGF-1 levels. So I think uh, 2IUs is good for, um, you know, topical anti-aging and feeling better, looking better, and, um, you know, being part of the bros that are on growth hormone besides their testosterone replacement therapy, which are, you know, always a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, happy, go lucky, and more excited because you're now all-inclusive all inclusive with your TRT plus protocol. Um Two IUs of growth hormone is better than no growth hormone for fat loss and overall sense of well-being. Um, but it's worse for anti-aging when you really look into anti-aging. Look into NAD plus and nicotinamide mononucleotide. That's real anti-aging. That's all the anti-aging that the growth hormone promised but did not deliver on. 1,000 milligrams nicotinamide mononucleotide per day, 250 milligrams or 175 milligrams or 150 milligrams with multiple meals and 200 milligrams NAD plus IV once a week. You can thank me later. I mean, yeah, my skin is beautiful. And my blood work is great too. But I'm off TRT, so maybe that has something to do with it. Oh, I got to give Dr. Phil some love. Do steroids create a super STDs? Yes, they do. Yeah, because steroids will give you a great physique. And uh, a great physique is in the market. And, uh, of course, if you're on the trembling sandwich, it might lower your threshold to uh, not use a condom. And then you get on STDs and spread that love around. Um, and, of course, those super STDs are super because you're spreading them around so much that everybody gets them. So, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, steroids do create uh, super STDs, uh, Dr. Phil. <laughs> herpes is trin herpes. Uh, I agree. The meme accounts have landed. <laughs> Thanks for making me laugh. Jeff, good Q&A live. Thanks and front double eyes uh, for that. So 
Jesus, nothing left. My God, I got to get back to the gym. All right, guys, no more super chats. Done. After this is the last question. Yeah? If you post super chats after Dr. Phil with the, all of his emojis, then uh, your super chat will not get answered. Too bad. Saying soul, even though I want to lose a lot, what kind of uh, what kind of fasting should I do to reverse non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Um, well, you can do a fasting mimicking diet like I did and lose all of your gains. So I did uh, eating vegetables only for six weeks straight with a little bit of a refeed on Sunday. So I would eat something on Sunday. Go out with my wife because I didn't want to miss that. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know, injectable glutathione is good for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, 2,000 milligrams NAC is good for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease per day. That is 1,800 milligrams injectable glutathione three times a week. So get ready. That's a fun, that's 12 milliliters per shot, three times a week. So that's why I do 600 milligrams per day. Otherwise, it's uh, way too much. My butt cheeks can't take that much. Uh, they can take a lot, but not 12 milliliters of glutathione. Uh, what else? Uh, phosphatidylcholine, um, let's say 2,000 milligrams per day, uh, or uh, 3,000, no, 4,000 milligrams choline and inositol per day. Uh, Sam E will help, right? Vitamin E will help as an antioxidant. Um, yeah, and just being in a caloric deficit most of the time. All right, next one. Let's go through it quick. But, but tooth cat, when using Lasix and using an electrolyte supplement, how long after using Lasix should I use the supplement? I should use it before the Lasix because it takes 20 minutes for your electrolytes to be absorbed. And uh, the Lasix will work uh, faster. So if you're in taking injectable Lasix, that will literally work in 12 to 17 minutes. Um, and even faster, it will start working within five minutes of circulating, but it will take about 12 to 17 minutes to create urine. And you want those electrolytes in your bloodstream already. So take the electrolytes first, then take the Lasix and take the electrolytes for at least six hours uh, while the Lasix is uh, flushing the water out. You don't want to flush the electrolytes out. You want to keep replenishing them. Uh, but you just want to flush the water out. And if you flush the water and the electrolytes, then you cramp like a motherfucker. So be careful uh gamma ray blaster all right any recommendations for supplements to take while on trt to keep everything healthy just started trt two months ago not experiencing any side effects just wanted preventative advice markers are good well uh look into my year-round supplement stack which i have all of my health supplements recommended so off the top of my head a general multivitamin is good a b50 supplement is good a vitamin c is good 2000 milligrams per day if not more um, you can take estragalus root extract for your uh, kidney function, citrus bergamot with berberine for your lipids and your uh, blood glucose levels, your insulin levels, and your overall glucose homeostasis. Uh, did I mention NSC? N-acetylcysteine is good to take right, for overall liver health, maybe 250 to 500 milligrams. Tutka, uh, just in case, right? Uh, ubiquinol for heart health man there's so many supplements you can take um you know to keep healthy it has nothing to do with trt so i uh, read that year on supplement stack i explain everything there right and um and then add in the supplements that make the most sense to you because you know i don't know about your financial situation but supplementation can go from 50 million uh, 50 dollars per week to 
$500 per week. And it really depends on what you feel is important and uh, what you have finances for. Like, I'm lucky I don't spend anything on my supplements because all you guys use my iHerb discount code and I, uh, you know, I get my free supplements from Gorilla Mind. So I, I, I don't spend anything on my supplements. If anything, I get paid for it. Full transparency, right? I have discount codes, which I get paid for um, or paid from. Better, uh, better way to say it. Um, but I do take most of the supplements that I, you know, have in the year on supplement stack. Not all of them now because I don't need to because I'm not on TRT. Um, vitamin K, vitamin D3, just, just read the article. It's all there. It's all there. Flare. What about using enclomiphene rather than clomiphene? Yeah, I would prefer enclomiphene over clomiphene because enclomiphene is only one of the isoforms or the, the what is it, stereoisomer of uh, uh, which clomiphene contains, which is enclomiphene, zooclomiphene. And it seems that zooclomiphene is the one that gives you all of the weird side effects, especially the mental side effects. So yeah, go with enclomiphene if you can get it. Seems to be hard to source. You know, compounding pharmacies in the United States produce enclomiphene in 25 milligram tablets. Uh, but anywhere outside of the United States seems to be pretty hard to source. Um, yeah. How do you spell that reshipping site? All right, let me, let me type that out. Light it. And then I think, oh no, Chill has one more. Of course, Chill has one more. That's Shapito and myus.com. Those are the reshipping sites. And I think I'll list a couple more underneath in the Thailand survival guide. I think I got, uh, got a couple more. So uh, there I have direct links. So you type in Thailand survival guide, you know, in the search function, uh, search field, and then you'll get uh, those websites. Um, but they ship worldwide, man. Yeah. All right, last one from Chill. Thoughts on a six to eight week cycle, like uh, testosterone, mint, injectable, superdrol, highlantis, moderate, novel, rapid, pushing for 10 kilos body weight, six to eight weeks. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good, but I prefer longer cycles because, you know, the first four weeks is just muscle memory. So you get rapid progress in the first four weeks and you can do that on a slow, low dose of testosterone and Primo. And then once you start wrapping up the size and the and most of the muscle maturity or the muscle sizes come back after those four or four weeks, then you push up the dosages to make new gains. But I don't think you'll make any new gains within the first four weeks. It's just restoring the muscle mass that you had in your previous cycle. So that's why I prefer longer cycles. Again, Diane Clark has a different opinion uh, and everybody's entitled to their opinion, right? I mean, he has a track record to speak for it. Um, I would start first four to six weeks with TRT and maybe a little bit of test and Primo and some growth hormone and maybe a low dose Lantus. And then you throw in the mint and uh, and increase the Lantus and the Nova Rapid and maybe a little bit of growth hormone. And then the next four weeks, you might use the Superdrol, but not injectable because we all know that injectable Superdrol is compounded with glycol and it's highly inflammatory and not healthy. Terrible for your cardiovascular health. Again, very important in this day and age. Cardiovascular health, guys. Cardiovascular health, cardiovascular health. Don't neglect it. Don't fuck with your blood pressure. Don't fuck with your electrolytes. Don't fuck with your inflammatory markers, right? It, it, yeah. It will all compound and might do you in. Um, so stay away from the injectable Superdrol. If you want to use Superdrol, use it at the end of the cycle, the last two weeks, 30 milligrams per day. Uh, in the oral form, feel free to take it sublingual. Uh, but the injectable version, just avoid it. 
All right, guys. It is 236. There are there's one more super chat. It's it's like people don't listen, no? Okay, you get one minute. Hey Steve, best recomp cycle in your opinion. Currently 500 tests, 40 milligrams tenazol, Eddie Klein, 500 minutes from before bed and at night. Any suggestions? Uh, keep your calories uh, in a deficit and do your daily fasted cardio and uh, good luck. You'll get results. But I would rather have you replace the Winstrol for Anivar because Winstrol uh, is not very sustainable. It's horrible for your lipids. And even though Anivar is best for, best for your lipids, um, you know, uh, you will not get super shredded within the six weeks that you should use Winstrol. So use the first six to eight weeks to 10 weeks while you're dieting Anivar and then replace that for Winstrol when you're actually lean so we can see you the cosmetic changes. And then, uh, you know, the metformin, uh, yeah, you can keep in there, but I would only do it the first month and then take it out because otherwise you get really, really flat. All right. Surprise appearance from uh, Scott McNally, one of the true friends of this YouTube channel. What's up, bro? I hope you're doing well. Have a great weekend, uh, too. Uh, thank to your wife for uh, sending her best wishes. That meant a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy week, but uh, we're getting through it. So, again, watch the middle of this video or the beginning of this video about uh, updates regarding uh, Joe's memorial, which will be at... Um, there you go. What more can you say? Much love, brother. So the memorial will be at the Muscle Factory Patia uh, starting Monday, 6 o'clock in the evening. Uh, feel free to come. Everybody's invited. Fans of Joe, friends of Joe, family of Joe. Everybody should be there, or at least the people who can make it. Um, and that's all the updates I have for now. Um, and again, respect the family's wishes. You know, they're going through a very hard time right now, as we are, the friends of Joe. Um, we're doing everything we can to, um, you know, to respect his uh, his legacy. Okay, guys, this was it for the figures Q&A. We'll continue next week. Thank you guys so much for joining. And thank you guys so much for keeping everything respectful. I know I have this big fat banner at the bottom, but I think we can uh, remove that for next week going forward. Guys, double thumbs up. Front of the bicep for the Vickers crew. We'll see you next weekend. And uh, enjoy yourself um, because uh, life is short as uh, gets proven over and over again. So you better live it to the max. I know Joe did. And I uh, implore all of you guys to do the same. All right. So peace out. See you later.